Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's good, everybody? Let's get after it. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets begin a road trip tonight in New Jersey. Three big games over the next four days as the Jets cling to some uh, faint playoff hopes, but maybe looking to build off a big win over the defending Stanley Cup champs on Tuesday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's going to be a fun show today. We will talk Jets in the first hour of the program with Brandon Rewicki. Brandon will join us in about 15, 20 minutes or so. And then closer to 2 p.m., the drip master himself, Ted Wyman, is going to be back on the program. Big, big day at the Briar. Tough loss this morning for Jason Gunlickson against Brad Gushu in an extra end, putting them in peril of missing out of the playoffs. But that's a good thing for Team Manitoba and Mike McEwen, who um, have a big game coming up tonight. So we'll touch on the Briar, maybe a little bomber talk as well with Ted a little bit later on in the program. And then towards the, in the second hour of the program, we're also going to be welcoming in former Winnipeg Jet and member of the Jets alumni, Perry Miller, because Perry, along with uh, our buddy Jeff Kerbison, I know Peter Young, there's a press conference today announcing two things. Number one, the Hockey News 45th anniversary slap shot the movie golf tournament, which is coming to Winnipeg. So we'll find out about that as well as the 50th anniversary reunion of the WHA coming up this summer. So we'll also have to get Perry's thoughts on uh, the club as well as they go into New Jersey tonight. So should be a real fun program here on a Thursday, early game tonight. Um, so let's get right to it. A big thanks to our sponsors. First up, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Fresh Market, F Apparel, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Get in here, Michael Remus. What's going on? Us, I'm counting down to tonight. Big Winnipeg Jets game in New Jersey. Eric Comrie getting the start. Also, a lot of games uh, around the league. So, uh, busy night around the NHL after only two games last night. We get... Uh, a ton, a ton of games. So uh, I am fired fired up here for this road trip. Nice 6 o'clock starts uh, tonight and tomorrow. And yeah, I don't know what I got going on. I posted a nice uh, video on our uh, Instagram reels. Check that out. So We still uh, TikToking? Is We're WST st still blowing up on TikTok? Uh, not as much. You know, it's hard to top the one that we posted. They got 20,000 views, but... We got one, our conversation about reverse retro jerseys, and I feel like if you bring up jerseys, everyone wants to weigh in. You're the SEO master now. You understand the new, the new realities of the new media. Well, that's why we named off. ourselves uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. For that SEO, is true. For SEO purposes. SEO. For Could SEO. called it the Hustler and Remus show, and people yeah. would have been going, what the hell's that? So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, people type in Winnipeg, and I think, you know, on YouTube, we're what may be the first result. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to get to the game in just a second. And you mentioned Eric Comrie, interesting choice by Dave Lowry, one that I actually think is a very smart one. Um, but you mentioned last night in the National Hockey League, just before we get into today's Jets game, did you see the end of the Washington Oilers game? Um, I mean, the end the, of regulation or the end yeah, of overtime? The, at the end of regulation where Zach Hyman... Yes. <laughs> with an empty net, gets double hooked by Alex Ovechkin, loses the puck, no call, mm -hmm. and then the Caps came back to tie it with .8 seconds left. I mean, listen, I know every Jet fan was hoping that the Winnipeg, that the Edmonton Oilers would lose. 
um, you're you know cheering against all those teams ahead of the Jets in the playoffs. If they had not gotten the two points last night, I mean, that would have been one of the biggest travesties of justice in recent NHL history. And you just wonder how in the world that wasn't called. Never mind a penalty. That's a goal with the, no. with the, with the, with the goalie pulled. No, I don't know if you knew this, but you're allowed to get like two bonus hooks in so they don't score an empty net. That's fully within the rules. And it's Ovechkin too. So not only do you get you know, the leniency because of the empty net, you get a star player. Like you're not calling Ovechkin. For a hook in the last 50 seconds he's got free reign he's got uh, the get out of jail free card used it there and uh, they're able to tie it up i don't know that's unwritten rules didn't you know that yeah there's a few of them apparently yeah um the other thing that happened last night was jt miller continues to have this monster Man. season with the vancouver canucks another four points last night and you know what i was thinking you know after seeing you know what tampa brought to town on on tuesday and knowing what they've done over the last couple of years like to think that JT Miller was another one of these pieces that they couldn't keep around and they just had to trade for a draft pick. I mean, the talent that came out of that organization, you know, if it was, I mean, listen, I'm happy there's a salary cap. I think that keeps it competitive for smaller markets like Winnipeg. But you really do wonder what Tampa, the sort of dynasty that Tampa could have been or could continue to be if, you know, a couple of other players that they had to get rid of, like a JT Miller. Uh, we're around. Um, bottom line is tough, tough decision for uh, the new general manager of the Vancouver Canucks uh, because he has been the guy for Vancouver this year. I think we we're all expecting it to be Elias Patterson. No, it's JT Miller right now. One year left on his contract. I know I did read a report today that other general managers are saying that he won't re-sign there. Take that for what it's worth. But um, a huge decision for Vancouver with where they are in the standings right now, the realistic chances of making the playoffs and going forward. And, you know, what a guy like Miller with a year left on his term might be able to garner Vancouver in a trade at the deadline. Yeah, JT Miller, career year. I never thought of him as a guy who would be top 10 in the league in scoring. That's where he is right now, 67 points in 56 games. I was pretty critical of Jim Benning at the time of this trade. Um, I kind of stand, you know, I kind of stand uh, by that as in, you know, the team, they were going nowhere and they trade away a first, but I mean, he's definitely been worth it and they might even be able to get more than they gave up if they deal him just because oh, he's time. so... The he's, value of JT Miller, I would suggest, is as high as it's ever been in his NHL like, career with what he's doing right now. When they, when they traded for JT Miller, I mean, he was coming off a 47-point season in Tampa Bay, 75 games, but since then... I mean, he's had, what, 72 and 69, and then he had last year 46 and 53, but he's on an absolute heater, and it seems like everyone in Vancouver has kind of picked it up since the coaching change. That's the real uh, coach bump for Bruce Boudreaux, so I am curious. JT Miller, I think he would be a big name at the deadline, what, Tomas Hurdle, um, and that's why, you know, for Andrew Kopp and the Jets, we'll tie it into there, I just think there's a lot of forwards ahead of him, you know, more talented forwards, uh, you know, top-line guys available at the deadline like the two names i just mentioned and you know that's why i don't think you would expect to see a first round pick when you know they have a couple other guys available who are you know top line players true i mean as we've said before though i mean it really does just take one um and we'll see what the value i mean what the cost is for a player like jt miller i mean i don't know whether the canucks just trade jt miller for a first round pick i mean they could keep him too they does have a year left yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, he's not a pending unrestricted free agent. And, you know, the cost to, to acquire a JT Miller with an extra year of term on his deal certainly would uh, would jack the price up. I, it, it's really interesting about Cop. 
uh, because Cop has some pretty good numbers this year. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're just looking at points, I mean, Cop's got 13 goals and 19 assists for 32 points in 51 games. And we know how versatile he is playing in so many different aspects. You know, a good 200-foot player, uh, able to kill penalties, can play on the power play, can play up and down the lineup. That is something that I think would be attractive to, you know, many contending NHL teams. And, you know, again, there's also the possibility of keeping Andrew Kopp around after the season as well. Um, but, you know, of course, you'd have to be the, uh, the highest bidder, presumably, barring any sort of extension before getting to the 1st of July. So... I mean, to me, cops certainly when it comes to Jets assets is the most intriguing when it comes to pending UFAs. I think Paul Stastny, you know, here's the funny thing. Paul Stastny's got 17 goals right now, Remus, and 29 what? points in 46 games. And, you know, I know we, uh, you know, a couple in the last game, he had a couple against Dallas. I mean, the, the timing of Paul Stastny getting hot is great when it comes to, um, you know, if he's potentially going to be moved yeah. at the deadline to another contending team. You know, I don't think of Paul Stastny as a guy with, a great shot or anything, but he gets his stick on the puck and it's been going in the back of the back of the net. And speaking of trade bait, I did just pull up the TSN trade bait list and you have some UFA forwards, I guess, Claude Giroux. I mean, he's kind of dictating where he wants to go. These are just forwards. Ricard Raquel, uh, Jake DeBrusque is an RFA. He's ahead of him on the trade bait list. Brandon Hagel, he's got two years left at 1.5. I don't know why Chicago would trade him. He's having a great season. I actually picked him up. In fantasy, Max Domi's a UFA, and Brock Besser, Hurdle, and then they've uh, TSN has Andrew Kopp at 17. This is updated yesterday. I love this. Toronto's first rounder at 18. Oh, <laughs> Washington's first rounder at 26. The non-player listings: Arizona Caps, <laughs> Caps, Mister C Space, 32. Tampa first rounder at 35. Buffalo cap space. <laughs> Seattle cap space enters in at 50. Sorry, sorry. I'm having a good laugh. Oh, Paul Stazzy's at 51. But yeah, I mean, that's a lot of, I did not think he had that many goals, but he's on a bit of a heater here. Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, um, bottom line, this will be conversation, a bigger conversation that we'll have coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but for right now, I know what the Winnipeg Jets are going to try to do, and that's uh, rattle off a few wins and make it less uh, automatic that maybe some of their teammates will be traded. And, of course, that brings us to tonight's tilt against the New Jersey Devils, the first of back-to-back games tomorrow against the New York Islanders. And we found out this morning, Remus, that Eric Comrie is starting, and I love this decision. I think it was quite obvious that Eric Comrie was going to play one of these two games. Now, in the past, and, you know, we'd have to look, but I'm trying to think of a case under Paul Maurice where Connor Hellebuck did not start the first of the two back-to-back games Um, in almost every occasion. They went with the starter in game number one and then put the backup goalie, the backup goalie in uh, game number two, which is, you know, often one of those spot games that you realize is going to be tough. You know, in some ways, you sort of, you know, feed them to the wolves. Um, great move, I think, by Dave Lowry putting Comrie in this game tonight. The bottom line is the Winnipeg Jets need to win both of these games. I think it's safe to say that considering the way Connor Hellebuck has been sort of up and down over the last couple of weeks and the amount of goals that have gotten in, I think an extra day of rest would certainly do Hellebuck well. Um, And, you know, both of these teams, I mean, I guess the Islanders are probably a little bit better than the Devils. Um, But I think you got to put your best foot forward for both of those games. And um, listen, I think Comrie's ready to go. 
He's looked good, and he's certainly provided the goaltending that the Winnipeg Jets have needed from him when he's gotten a chance to go in. And uh, tell you what, if they can get a big win tonight with Comrie in the net and then roll Hellebuck back out tomorrow against the Islanders, um, you know, maybe they can get something started in, the, in a positive direction. Yeah, we all know, I mean, the Jets' playoff hopes very slim. Money Puck had them, what, it's 7%, so... Well, it was 4% going yeah. into the Tampa game. And then it was 7% afterwards. So by my calculations, they increased their playoff chances by 75% in just one game. No, that's some good. That's some real strong math right there. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys aren't going to give up. As slim as it is, they're going to keep giving her. And look, you got a back-to-back. Tommy's going to get one of them. Um, play him. I mean, if you can't play him against the Devils or, you know, who, the Islanders are both having, you know, poor seasons. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing here? I mean, I, I, we spoke about this earlier this week. Comrie actually has better numbers than Hellbuck this year. And I think maybe the team does play a bit differently. Maybe they play tighter defensively uh, under him. But 914 save percentage, 247 goals against. I mean, he's he's been solid 6-2-1 record. So I think this is a great time to uh, throw in Comrie. And then you'll have Hellbuck get an extra day of rest. Again, on you know, while in front of a quote unquote tired team and on the back to back, and we'll see how it goes. So, uh, sure, Comrie, and it seems like the lines has exactly the same. They're going with what worked uh, in Tampa. You hope, you know, under Comrie, maybe they can break the streak of twelve in a row, giving up uh, three or plus, you know, three or more goals. Uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, the Jets going to that. I'm, I'm kind of interested with this Pionk. Um, what's going on with him? Because he's taking, you know, he's not taking the morning skates. They've got Billy Hainala there on the uh, emergency call-up. So I guess Villy's going to be sitting in the chair with the uh, Bernie Sanders mitts for this <laughs> for this one, not get in the lineup. I do, I do think, you know, if Pionk were to come out, you know, uh, Halo would be the easy fill-in. It's like a Nintendo ice hockey, medium guy for medium guy, or skinny yeah, guy well, for exactly. skinny guy. Back to your Nintendo theories yeah. of uh, roster roster it's, composition and replacement. Er, that's, um, hey, that, you know what, you're, you're not far off, though. I mean, I think, you know, if Neil Pionk was unable to play and if they were iffy about his ability, I, mean, I think Philly Hanel goes in into that spot and, um, you know, hopefully it shows what shows what he can do. Um, I, I've been to the last few Moose games. Phillies look great. I mean, a number of the young defensemen have looked really good, especially in that Rockford series. Very impressed with the way Dylan Sandberg had bounced back from his injury. And Johnny Kovacevic was a standout as well. And um, Declan Chisholm looked good too. So, listen, any of these young defensemen, when they get an opportunity to play, are going to need to be ready. Billy seemingly is the next man up. But uh, as we talked yesterday, coming out of that game against Tampa, uh, wasn't expecting really any changes to the roster. But as I said, I got to give Dave uh, Dave Lowry a hat tip because I think it makes a lot of sense to go with Comrie tonight and Hellebuck tomorrow, as opposed to um, certainly the normal and the standard way of using your goaltenders with the starter getting game number one and then the backup going in the second game on the back-to-backs. Yeah, I mean, do do whatever you got to do, Huss, as long as it yeah, get you know results in a win. The Jets need the two points, uh, you know, to stay alive. And, uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, same, it's the same roster, and I don't know how much more more we can add. I do want to give a shout out though for new from the New Jersey side, uh, Travis Zajac from Winnipeg. Milestone game for him playing in number one thousand. Um, I mean, he seems like a lot of guys playing one thousand. Uh, I've seen Drew Doughty last couple weeks, Wayne Simmons the other night. So shout out to uh, Travis Zajac who's been with New Jersey for a long time. Back there this year, and he'll be uh, honored, fitting before a game with the Jets. I guess it just worked out. Worked out that way. 
Yeah, no, that is an interesting and a great career. I mean, pretty much all in New Jersey, with, with the exception of uh, that uh, quick pit stop last year uh, with the deadline deal over to the New York Islanders, where the Winnipeg Jets will be tomorrow, presumably with Connor Hellerbrook back in, and we'll see whether they can be on a two-game win streak heading into tomorrow night's game. Um, I'm interested to see Jack Hughes. I mean, we have not seen a lot of New Jersey being here in the West and focusing on this, uh, you know, on this division. Um, you know, Jack Hughes was in and around doing some fun things in the um, in the All-Star game. Um, but this is still, I mean, a young team. They've got commitments to uh, him. Nico Heischer has been day-to-day, um, but also kind of an intriguing team when it comes to the deadline, Remus, because they're not going to be a playoff team, and you know that there's a bigger plan moving forward. Um, but whether it's picking up players maybe with term and contract could be part of it. And that's going to be something we're talking about with the Jets too, especially in as it relates to the defensemen, the five defensemen the Jets have signed for another couple years and the roadblock that seemingly makes for some of the younger defensemen that we've been talking about to get an opportunity to crack the lineup. Yeah, I'm just looking at New Jersey's players on the trade bait list. They got Pavel Zaka. He's an RFA after this season. Damon Severson, he's got one year after this. P.K. Subban, who's with the $9 million contract. Uh, he's up after the season as well, and I think that's they got a couple a couple guys. So, I mean, Jack Hughes, he got off to that really hot start. Uh, then he got hurt. He came back. I think, and he's still kind of growing into his, uh, you know, into his body here. Um, but in New Jersey, they're a, you know rebuilding team. They signed Dougie Hamilton. He was hurt. He just came back. So I mean, you look at this roster, and it's nothing. I mean, it's nothing, you know, to get that's like that crazy. But the, I mean, the Jets have lost to teams. You know that you thought they should beat in the past. So, uh, and I see Jersey Boys writes in chat. Hughes and Brad have have been on fire. So I I like Jack Hughes, but you know I think probably a bit it's a bit early for him. Although he did sign that massive contract earlier this season. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Jersey Boys. He said he's going to the game tonight. So hyped for this game. LGD. I guess that means let's go Devils. Well, we'll uh, you're certainly welcome here, Jersey Boys. But I think most of the people will be going. Uh, G J G in the uh, in the chat. That of course would be Go Jets Go. What a great day to get Rowicki on because <laughs> not only are we going to be talking Jets and talking Devils, you will all know that Brandon is a big time Flyers fan, and I try not to pour salt in the wounds. Um, however, we're going to have to talk about a big move made by the Flyers today, <laughs> which I can already see in the green room. He's got a look on his face that, uh, well, you're going to want to stick around for it. Hey, listen, before we bring Brandon in, yeah. uh, and don't forget Ted Wyman a little bit later on, um, do you want to give a, a big shout oh. out to our friends over what? at Vita Health Fresh Market? Well, here, one sponsors. Sec. Sorry to interrupt. One sec. I do have to clarify. So it's Zajac's thousandth game was two years ago. This is the postponed ceremony that's taking place today okay. sorry, yeah, sorry I, didn't, I didn't want to be able to fact check that on that on that thing <laughs> yeah because he yeah i thought isn't he retired okay he is retired. i saw them tweet about it the devils they're yeah. celebrating his one case so he's already played it i'm looking at the lines going like where the hell zaja okay. i didn't think that he was uh he was still playing so That's... listen fake news department oh Michael my god Remus today well i'm not i'm just going by the devil's twitter they keep tweeting zajac 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 i'm like <laughs> and i'm like i thought he was on the islanders or, or shows how much i'm paying attention but I mean, they're tweeting about it, posting all these promo yep. videos. Yellow card. It's what am I supposed card. to think? <laughs> so, 
All right, all right. I don't Just know. to clarify, Travis Zajac will be honored tonight for 1,000 yeah. games. However, he won't be adding to his list of games in the NHL tonight. Not coming back anytime soon. But hey, great day to do it against his hometown team, maybe, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe that's why they chose it for today. I, I think so. It certainly would sound good. Um, anyways, listen, before we get to Rewiki, a big th- shout out to our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market who uh, have seven Winnipeg locations, including their newest store in Linden Ridge, and have the best prices on Winnipeg's greatest selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and an amazing grab-and-go deli with delicious lunch options like Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. If you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Uh, but make a point to pop it in in person if you can to one of the seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And you can check them out online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Culligan Water have been the go-to folks for water services in Winnipeg, Manitoba for 65 years. A great family-owned business that has it all for you. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Pop down and see the good folks at Culligan at 1200 Sargent Avenue. 694-5180 is the number where you can find out more online at drinkculligan.com. And uh, it's only appropriate that we're doing a plug for our friends over at F Apparel, one of the uh, best-looking men on the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk roster coming in next uh, every guy needs uh, at least one suit that fits and looks great and a local owned business. The go-to guys F apparel with a full line of custom clothing for any occasions, including suits, dress shirts, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. If you've got a wedding coming up this weekend or this summer, talk to Andrew and the gang about a package for the wedding party. 15% off when you get your suits there. And they've got a great promo for young high school graduates where you get a free shirt and tie with any suit for a grade 12 graduate this year. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. And you can hit them up online at F, that's E-P-H, Apparel. Com. All right. Well, I was trying to butter Rewiki up right now, trying to put him in a better mood. I have a feeling he might be somewhat cantankerous today. Let's welcome him in back to Winnipeg Sports Talk, our guy. He's the host of Skates and Plates and so much more. Brandon Rewiki. What up, B? How are you? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I do want to talk Jets with you, but I may as well get instant reaction to you and the Flyers Nation. What's the what's the Flyers Reddit saying today about a five-year extension to Rasmus Ristolainen? It just, it, it's, it's never fun knowing that you're a fan of a team that is like the official laughingstock of a league. Like there's always like two or three teams at a time that are the jokes of a specific sports league and now the flyers are one of them so i don't know i don't know if apparel does weddings i don't know if they do funerals because you could buy a suit for uh the flyers contending homes officially being dead for the next decade so. yeah nice black suit you can get an orange inside maybe you get some flyer logos and in fact maybe you could just get a print of rasmus ristolainen inside it and uh, you can rock that around for the next five years that he's on the blue line making more than five mil seriously why is he such a polarizing player He's a polarizing player because I think only I think only dinosaurs think he's any good. I don't like I just I, I don't get it. And and the funny thing is, 
I was pretty open-minded when the Flyers acquired him. It's like, you know, maybe he was in Buffalo. We see a, a few other players from the Sabres come into a new scenario, and they, they end up being a lot better than they actually are. And, and I don't think he's been as bad as a lot of people were worried he'd be. But I just don't get how you can watch him play and be like, yeah, we got to lock that up for five mil a year. Like, a mil and a half, two mil a year? Sure, sign me up for that. But I just, I don't, I don't get how you can watch somebody like Rasmus Ristolainen play and think we need to find a way to invest $25 million into that. And then the cherry on top is that now apparently they're thinking of moving Travis Sanheim. The guy yeah, what's up with that? The period all season long. It, it's just, they're just a awful organization. Like there's just no other way to put it. They stink. They <laughs> suck. The only good news from today is that I save 200 plus dollars next year because I don't have to buy center ice because there's no need to walk. That's it. That's the only sliver of good news here. Because if, if, if an organization thinks what happened is a good idea, how are they going to find a way to contend? How are they going to find value in other contracts to make up for, for a $5 million anchor like that? I, I just don't get it. And, and I would, I'd love to know, you know, when the last time a team won the Stanley cup with an anchor of a contract as bad as that one. Like, I, I just don't think it's just so hard. In, in, in it's amazing. Like we're talking with this as an anchor of a contract as bad as that one. It was signed today. Yeah. Like this isn't right. something that they've got from three yeah. years ago or they traded for a guy that got it. They willingly made this offer and signed this deal earlier today. It's uh, not Sam- related. I, like he's young. He's, he's decently young. And that still sucks. Hey, what um Sandheim's a Manitoba guy. I mean, he seems to be a you know really talented young player. Why are we hearing his name being thrown out as a guy that might be on the move? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea why I have no idea why you would want to trade somebody like that. And he makes less than Russell Lyons gonna be making. And again, he's carried the pair all season long. So I I think you know what you're seeing in, in Philadelphia and, and really all the teams that ultimately get themselves into trouble is they pay this massive premium for physicality and, and physicality is great, but you have to be able to play hockey first. <laughs> that, that should be the prerequisite, right? Not just me big, me hit everyone. Like eventually you have to put the puck into the, you can't body check the puck into the net. At some point you're going to have to make a couple passes and shoot the puck into the net. And it just feels like the flyers are not valuing players that do that particular skill very effectively Maybe it's just the the curse of the Broad Street Bullies where, you know, you, you, they, they just want to be that over and over again. But that was over 50 years ago, and the NHL clearly is in a different direction right now. So to answer your question, I have no idea why they would want to move somebody like Travis Sanheim. Um, but the Flyers apparently don't have an interest in improving their team. So that would kind of fit right along with that line of thinking. Brandon Wickie's with us here for uh, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We, you know what, let's couch this for a minute because we'll talk about some of the other teams in and around the league when it comes to the trade deadline. And there is some intrigue in Philly, but I mean, a number of players that could be on the move from teams that are pretty much out. It's sort of, maybe this is nice for Jet fans to start this conversation in a situation that's actually far more miserable than the Winnipeg Jets sitch right now. Um, and there's not a ton of them. It's been a very disappointing season for Winnipeg. However, um, man, that was a fun game on Tuesday night. You know, a little bit of finishing for the Winnipeg Jets. You beat a great team. And listen, we've talked about how short the runway is for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, while there is 25 games left of the year, so much work to do. But for one night, um, a lot of it came together. Big performances by a number of players beating a really good team. And 
you know, now they go out on the road with three games in four nights um, you know, against Jersey Islanders and St. Louis, who they played very well against. And, you know, maybe you can get some points and, you know, make it a little bit more interesting. But as far as Tuesday's game, Brandon, because the rest of the homestand was pretty underwhelming for the Winnipeg Jets. What do you like about what they were able to do? And uh, why has that been so few and far in between when it comes to performances for Winnipeg this season? Yeah, because, I mean, realistically, they outplayed the defending champs. Like they were, they were, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cheap win or anything like that. Like they legitimately outplayed the Lightning outside of a, a brief stretch at the end of the first period. So I, I mean, it was one of their better all-around efforts of the season for sure. I mean, why can't they do that more often? That that seemed to be everybody's question. I, I mean, I guess the easiest answer would be that's what average to below average teams do. They'll play really good one night and then they'll stick the joint up the next. Which is why I'm kind of scared of this back-to-back against the Devils and Islanders. Uh, but, I mean, if we're going to give the Jets credit, you know, even though they they draw points to the Stars and Rangers, 40-plus shots in each of those games, the process is looking a lot more solid than it did earlier on, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I think, you know, the biggest reason for optimism is, is just the fact that Nikolai Ehlers is back, right? Like, he's... You, you what a difference he makes, huh? He just, he brings so much, I mean, obviously the skill and everything like that, but I feel like energy-wise, the Jets are a different team when he's in the lineup. He, he just provides a spark that you really can't find, even when you have, you know, young call-ups like, you know, Pagansky and Reichel running around and, and hitting everybody. It's just that there, there's a different element when Ehlers comes into the lineup. And and the most positive thing, you know, outside of just getting Ehlers back himself is, you know, the Jets for the first time in a long time, ran a pretty modern top nine. Like you had a game breaker or a player with elite skill on each of your top three lines. And that's something that Jets fans have been clamoring for forever, right? I mean, it's been a long time since the Jets have had that. They've been stuck in this old school top six, bottom six divide. But you're seeing the Jets start to generate and create more chances and and be a tougher team to defend because... 90% 90% of the game, you're having somebody that is a first-line talent out there on the ice driving their own line. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. And, and in particular, the Lowry line right now. And I mean, the amount of different, you know, line mates that Adam Lowry has played with this year. And and listen, I mean, I was when I remember going into the Calgary game, we were talking about Adam Lowry and how much he's played this season. And he had three goals and five assists on the season. That was less than Trevor Lewis, who was probably playing about half the half the minutes for the Calgary Flames. But I'll tell you what, Brandon, I mean, this last month or so for Adam Lowry, he has, um, first of all, benefited from having his old running mate, Andrew Kopp, get back into the lineup. And now with Ehlers on that line, he changes the look of that line so much and adds just a whole nother dimension. And, you know, listen, Lowry's been productive, doing an incredible job on the PK, a very resurgent PK for the Winnipeg Jets. But as an actual line, um, the second you get 27 out there with those guys, I mean, their ability to score and spend time in the other team's end goes up so significantly that, um, you know, it, it's a completely different look, I'm sure, for the coach on the other side when he knows what he's handling when that Lowry goes over the boards with and without Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, you know, it's to a lesser degree, but it's kind of similar to how Tampa's played Jan Ruda with Victor Hedman for a long time. It's just, hey, Hedman's going to carry his own pairing. Nikolai Ehlers can carry his own line and he doesn't need a ton of support beside him to do so. And it's just, you can't tell me it's a coincidence that those three have been playing at the level that they are, and you can't give Nikolai Ehlers the majority of the props there. I mean, 
Adam Lowry's turned into the greatest shorthanded player of all time in the past couple of it's weeks. It's unreal. It's great. He's a well, great the Dallas game. game. <laughs> the Dallas game, you know, the, the power play stunk. Um, and, you know, they were rolling out with the number one unit that didn't have Ehlers on it for the majority of the first few. And then finally that changed and, you know, Ehlers ended up getting uh, getting on it. But, I mean, I left the game talking to the guys afterwards saying, you know, for all those power plays, the Jets' best odd man scoring chances happened shorthanded, and it was always Adam Lowry. It's crazy. And it's kind of gone under the radar, I think, a little bit, how, how much the special teams has improved since Lowry's taken over. I mean, it's not, not good the five-on-five game hasn't been as strong, but the penalty kill with the exact same personnel is a completely different unit, right? Like, they're, they, they've been, I think, top five. Hovering around the top five in penalty kills since Dave Lowry took over and the power play's gotten a decent bump up as well. A lot of that without Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup too. So there are signs this team is taking steps in the right direction. It's just, it's a funny spot of the season to be in because I don't know how, I don't know how much Jets fans are, are looking for the team to go on a bit of a run right now. You know what I mean? Like with the deadline so close. You know, a lot of fans are maybe thinking, uh, if we can stay a little bit out of it, then you move Kopp and Stasny for sure. And you try and reload and go at it again next year with a, a few more assets in your pocket. Yeah. It, well, let's talk about that for a minute. What do you think the market is for those guys? I mean, you know, it's interesting in the chat. Some people said, oh, we're going to get first round picks for those guys. I mean, listen, I don't think Stasny's getting a first round pick. Although, man, he's scoring a lot lately, which might help Kevin Chevalteoff's bargaining power when you put him in. But Cop in particular, I mean, he's a guy that could certainly be a very valuable add to a contending team with the versatility that he plays. I mean, what do you think Kevin Chevalteoff could expect to get back if they did pull the trigger on a cop deal at the deadline? Yeah, so I looked into this because I know a lot of people had said Pop should or, or will get a first-round pick. And initially, it, it just sounded like a bit too much for me. But if you go back over the last three, four years at the trade deadline, players that get first-round picks have a very similar profile to Andrew Cobb. So I, I think it's fair to say that the expectation from the Jets should be that they get first-round value back for Andrew Cobb, whether that's you know a prospect or just a pick. I think they should be looking at a first-round pick for that. Now, they'd be helped immensely if Tomas Hurdle resigned in San Jose and JT Miller stayed put in Vancouver because if those two don't get moved, Andrew Kopp might be the second or third most valuable forward on the trade list right after Claude Giroux, and then you can make a case for one or two other guys, but he's going to be quite possibly the second most valuable forward that gets moved at the trade deadline. And I think there's enough teams in a playoff spot right now that are looking for a versatile kind of middle six player. And that's Andrew Kopp's bread and butter right there. So I, I think a first round pick should be what the Winnipeg Jets get back in a trade. Um, you know, I know we've had, you know, hit on Philly a little bit before. Um, what are you hearing about Giroux? Well, um, where do you think he ends up or who are the teams that you're hearing that might be sniffing around on Giroux? And uh, from a flyer perspective, what could they expect to get for six, seven weeks of Giroux in one playoff run? Well, after the Risto deal, a fifth-round pick sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have a, I have a little more faith they're gonna they're gonna do well in this one. You know, I to me it comes down to two teams. I it's weird that St. Louis has apparently been super keen on trying to bring him in or convince him to to waive. I I just don't like the Blues to me don't screen Cup contender. And I, I feel like that's it's it's a rare group of teams that should be going after Giroux as the piece to put them, you know, up above the rest. 
But I'll be really surprised if he doesn't go anywhere other than Colorado or Florida. To, to me, those are the two teams that are going to be making the biggest push for them. It makes the most sense. Um, I ultimately do think he's going to go to Colorado. That, it, it just it, It's the spot that everybody talked about right from the get-go. And I, I think it just it makes the most sense for both sides. As far as a return, you're looking at a first-round pick for sure. Uh, they might have to take some salary back, you know, a guy like JT Comfer, just to make the money work both ways. And then kind of like a B-plus, A-minus level prospect. I, I think that's ultimately, you know, wherever he does get moved, that's going to be the deal that you see. A first-round pick and then a team's second or third best prospect coming back. You know what? It, it's funny you bring up St. Louis because that is not a team that, you know, maybe jumps out. But the more I think about it, I mean, if they were able to make that happen, I mean, that would be a great ad. The, the thing that stands out to me about the Blues is that they are, and I remember, you know, seeing them the last couple of times the Jets have played them, and we'll talk about this on Sunday, but 1-12, to 12, one of the deepest forward groups in the league. And, I mean, right now they're running out Shen with uh, Perron and O'Reilly, and then Jordan Kairou's turned into a star, along with Thomas and Tarasenko, who has had a great season despite very low expectations coming in after they weren't able to trade him. And then, you know, Basad and Barbashev on the third line, Tyler Bozek on the uh, on the fourth line. Like, I'm not sure where Giroux would fit in yeah. with that group. I mean, he doesn't basically go, like, right up to the top line. Like, you know, you maybe. And frankly, I don't think he does that in Colorado either. But for what St. Louis needs, um, you know, the offense that Claude Giroux would provide. Put it this way. I get why they're sniffing around Giroux. That's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, Buchnevich is injured right now, but if he's good to go, he's been basically a point-of-game player. Like, it just the, the fit doesn't really make sense to me there with, with St. Louis. I think they more so would be in the kind of like Hampus Lindholm market or something like that. I, I think they need another blue. They need a blue liner, and then they either need Jordan Binnington to play like 2019 Binnington or Billy Huso to continue his remarkable campaign. But I, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I think the Blues have the deepest four group in the NHL, and they are as potent as anybody. I, I just, I mean, I guess, you know, Colorado's pretty potent too, and I say he's going to go there. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm kind of uh, talking out of my ass a little bit. But well, the, I, I the, the thing like about Colorado is, and I can't remember who I was maybe talking, I think we were talking to Frank Cervelli about this a couple days ago. And Colorado is so interesting. I mean, listen, if you're a player that has options to go to one team or the other, I mean, you're going to Denver in a heartbeat. I mean, they're the clear-cut Stanley Cup favorite right now. I mean, just by the odds, they're 4-1, to one, and, you know, the top teams in the East are kind of between 8 and 10-1, to one, and it just speaks to what a huge favorite is. It's Colorado, basically, and then everybody else. Seemingly, you know, that's our perspective, at least right now. Um, although, I'll tell you what, Calgary is legit, and, uh, man, that game on Saturday night was something. But... I mean, if you're Joe Sackick, how aggressive do you do you get right now, especially considering they had to give up that first rounder in a desperate state to get Darcy Kemper it last offseason? You know, I do wonder if they don't look at their team going, you know what, we're pretty damn good. I'm not really too sure how much tinkering we need to do with this lineup. It's fair. I mean, they they can win the cup without making a move. They can win the cup making a move. Like it, it all, it's, it's a weird thing with Colorado, right? So it's just how aggressive, how all in do you go? I... I if I'm running the abs, I get really aggressive because Nazem Kadri's out the door next year. He's going to be making a, a buttload of money. You just don't get too many cracks at this. And eventually, you know, McKinnon's going to be signing a new deal that's going to pay him at least twice as much as he's making right now. I just, I think this is, this is the time to kind of push all your chips into the middle here. You get Giroux, 
I mean, you can have him. You could have him as a second line winger, or you could have a supercharged third line with him at center. And I just don't. If they get Giroux, I mean, I, I know hockey and, and playoffs bounces here and there, all that. I, I just don't know how anybody comes close to them. I, I really don't. I, I think they'd be so far ahead of the rest of the pack that you know what that might be one of the rare times that you know you push all your chips in you give up a bunch of assets for a rental and it actually ends up working out for a team yeah well i mean they certainly have set the bar in the west right now and uh, you know it's funny because we've talked a lot about the winnipeg jets and you know these other teams that are in this playoff race trying to squeeze into the eighth spot the second wild card and you know the reward for that is you get to go to denver and take on the colorado avalanche and uh Although we've been saying this, and again, it's highly unlikely that this happens, but if the Jets were to get so hot that they actually got back into the mix and somehow got into that eighth spot, by definition, they'd be the hottest team in the NHL going into the Stanley Cup playoffs, Brandon. Yeah, that's that's certainly one way to look at it, Hus. That would that would be that would be one, you know. But then you watch the the game against the Avs, and what was it? Three rip for the Jets, and a touchdown later, and it's not looking so hot. So I. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be uh, holding on to my UFAs just to uh, potentially lose to the Avalanche in three games. That was uh, that game was such a, a, a reality check for everyone. I mean, the excitement about the three nothing lead, and then they just the pure horror. The final forty minutes of the game, I think, told people where they were. Although taking us back to Tuesday, um, you know, listen, they scored some goals in the first period. They also had some egregious defensive lapses that ended up in the back of the net. Um, but I'll say this for a team that we've seen completely fall apart in situations like you mentioned in that game in Denver. Um, the second period the Jets played on Tuesday was one of their best of the entire season. And I know they came out even after it, but I mean, you hold Tampa to four shots on goal. It really did give them sort of the framework of the way they needed to play the rest of the game. And then, you know, made some things happen on the power play. And of course, the shorthanded goal by Kyle Connor. Oh, that was filthy um, to get a couple goal lead and then uh, and then ice it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Jets have skill. Like, it's it's not like they're a bad team or anything, right? It just hasn't. And, and they've been bit by some poor some poor luck this year. You know, finishing-wise, they're kind of due for a positive regression. So, I mean, there there is the chance they do get hot down the stretch and start filling the net at a pretty high rate. It's just that we have, we, we've seen these performances so few and far between, right? They just haven't been able to string together six, seven, eight games like that in a row. And, and that's... That's why they're they're at the spot where they're at right now. But there, there's no doubt that like they can compete with, I mean Colorado maybe not, but but Tampa Bay for sure. They went toe to toe with them and looked pretty damn good. I I still think you know watching that game and watching plays by Hedman on that goal and then watching Ryan McDonough make a huge pinch in the neutral zone, sends the puck back the other way, and it's another Tampa Bay goal that the one piece the Jets are still missing is that top pair defenseman. You're, you're not going to find a Victor Hedman anywhere, but maybe a Ryan McDonough, may, maybe a player of that ilk could be enough to, to push the Jets a little higher up in the Central Division standings. That, to me, as well as they played, was the, the big difference in that game is they're still missing that no doubt about it stud number one guy. Well, listen, while we're talking about the Jet blue line, I mean, we're, we've been talking about the usual suspects when it comes to the trade deadline and the guys that are pending UFAs, but... Um, and something we've talked about plenty, the two of us, as well as on this show with a number of other guests, the glut on the Jet Blue Line. Um, you know, they do have some good, talented young forward prospects, but that might not even be in the mix for a year or two. The defense is very different. I mean, it went from a bear cupboard a couple of years ago to, you know, 
three, four young guys knocking on the door with a resume that says, hey, I'm ready for some NHL action here. Part of the situation, though, of course, is you've got five defensemen that have term on their contract after this year. Um, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and you look at those five defensemen, um, are you trying to make something happen at the deadline? Do you wait until the offseason? And of those five, when you look at their contracts, what they're doing, um, who do you think the most likely one is to move basically based on what the demands would be from other clubs as well as the ease of trading them with the term and money left on their deals? Yeah, I think for sure it has to be Brandon Dillon. I, I think there's I think there's a pretty decent chance. I don't, I don't know what percentage you might put it at, but I think there's a pretty decent chance he gets moved to the deadline. And it, not even necessarily to a, a playoff contending team, but just looking at you know different rosters and things like that, he makes a lot of sense for a team like the Ottawa Senators. The Senators don't really have a whole lot outside of their top pair in uh, Shabbat and Zub. I mean, that is kind of, that's the kind of guy he doesn't make a ton of money. You know, brings physicality. He might be good in the locker room, right? Like that, it, he makes a lot of sense to a lot of different teams, regardless of, of how competitive they are. And I, I think at this point, it's it's pretty clear that while you know improvements had to be made last offseason, that this experiment just it, it didn't work out. I, I think it was worth a shot, but the Jets aren't going to reach the levels of the Colorados and and the Tampa Bay's and teams like that with the blue line that they have currently. So you have to find a way to. You know, this year, create some space for your young guys to get some NHL action and get them a little bit more playing time, get a better sense of, of where they're at and what they can be, but then also open up some money and, and a spot if you want to make a big splash this upcoming offseason. So to, to me, Brendan Dillon is a is a major, major candidate to be moved to the deadline. I think Nate Schmidt would be more of an offseason deal if, if you're able to move him at all. I, I, I don't know how many teams are, are going to give you anything with the, the amount of cap hit that he's making. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think there's a, a slight chance that we could see one of Hanela Sandberg and Stanley moved either in a package for, you know, a, a number one or a high-end defenseman, or maybe you move one of those guys for some help on your second or third line, right? Because you just, you can't play them all. And, and they're all lefties. It's, it's just the Jets do have a bit of a logjam there. I, I, you don't want to move them, but I wouldn't be shocked if we do see one of those three moved in some kind of off-season deal. Um, speaking of big deals when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, it's a topic we've, you know, been kicking around for the last few months on Mark Shifley's future here in Winnipeg. And, you know, we know what the contract is. We know there's two years left on the deal. Um, you know, we know the production that he's had so far in his career and what that would, uh, you know, the interest that that would generate in and around the league. Where are you at on, on Shifley, um, when it comes to, let's just say things continue to go where they are and the team finishes out of the playoffs and say a couple of those guys get moved at the deadline going into the off season. Um, the coaching situation is one obviously thing that Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to have to have to, you know, tackle and figure out. But when it comes to this core, um, what do you think the chances are that Shifley is not a jet next year? And if a deal was made from the jets perspective, what would a deal look like that actually makes sense for Winnipeg if you have that massive hole in your top six left by 55's departure. Yeah, like doing the, the old first-round pick prospect and, and a young player, just it doesn't make sense for the Jets, right? right? It's Too big of a step back. Yeah, you don't, they're just, we'll see how far they are as, in terms of contenders next year, but I just, that would be a really poor decision, even if you're on the bandwagon of moving Mark Shifley. It's funny because there's, there's two teams that went in different paths last year. 
that, you know, you could potentially look at, you know, if you're the Winnipeg Jets as to reasons for doing either. Because the Calgary Flames kept their core together. That was severely underperforming. You get a new coaching staff coming in. Johnny Gaudreau went from trouble player to Hart Trophy candidate in less than 12 months. So, you know, you could bring in a new coaching staff, hope that that revitalizes Mark Shifley. He gives you a little more commitment at both ends of the ice. And you're getting, you know, an 80-point player at just over $6 million. But the Minnesota Wild is a team that I don't think enough people bring up, right? Because while it's a different situation, you know, they bit the bullet and moved on from Suter and Parisi. And there was a lot of talk about the locker room there, the effort those two guys were giving, and that, you know what, maybe the team is just better off if we, we part ways and just kind of create a new core, a new leadership group, things like that, and we kickstart a new era with the Minnesota Wild. And it's worked for them too, right? Because they're in the playoff picture. They're a super entertaining team. And, you know, the future, even with the cap problems that they're going to have, the future looks relatively bright there in Minnesota. So you can go either way if you're the Winnipeg Jets here. For me, if I'm moving to Mark Shifley, unless I'm getting a high-end centerpiece or a high-end defenseman back, and basically a one-for-one deal, I'm, I'm just not doing the trade. Even though I think there is legitimate merit to parting ways because of the lack of effort he's given defensively these these past couple of seasons can't just give guys away um, but I do wonder potentially just looking at you know a few different teams that could use a guy like Mark Shifley maybe the most intriguing one might be the Carolina Hurricanes because they haven't been afraid to make big splashes these past couple of seasons and they have a bit of a hole down the middle behind Sebastian Ajo I think Trocek is a, a free agent this year Maybe some kind of a package centered around Marty Nekash for Mark Shifley. You know, you're not getting a player of Shifley's caliber, but you're getting a younger, more cost-controlled player, and, and maybe he develops in a year or two into what Mark Shifley has been for the Jets. So, so that's an option there. The other one, too, would be the New York Rangers, who have a major hole down the middle. And, and Shifley would immediately be their best center, never mind their, their number two guy. The only thing is the Rangers are flush with winger prospects, but... Alexis Lafreniere is a pretty uh, pretty tantalizing name to throw out there as well. I mean, I, again, I know it's not a centerman, but, you know, a number one pick just a couple years removed. And I, I wonder if there'd be anything to that, too. I prefer the Carolina one, but the Rangers, the Rangers certainly have a need, and they will be aggressive, I think, next season in trying to take their team to the next level. Lafreniere is a fascinating guy to bring up. Um, of course, they were here on Sunday night. And, you know, I'm looking at the, the stats and whatnot. And, you know, he's playing on a line with Kreider, who's got 38 goals, and Mika Zibanejad. And he came into the game with 13 goals and four assists yeah. on the scene. He got his fifth assist of the season in that game. Um, something just doesn't compute because when you look at the guy on the ice, I mean, he certainly looks like a legit NHL player, if not a borderline star. Um, and despite the guys that he's been playing with, um, you know, has not put the numbers that maybe you would expect to see from a number one pick numbers. Like we're going to see from Jack Hughes tonight, who's now ahead of a point of game pace in his third year in the league. Yeah. Hughes is legit. And what is he's like 120 pounds too, but he's soaking wet. He is fun to watch. I really, really enjoy watching Jack Hughes play. I, I don't know what – it's it's weird with the Rangers, right? Like maybe it's a organizational thing with them because Capo Caco hasn't been all that impressive for them as well. I mean, they've had Cheadle, um, Anderson, a couple of Kraftsov as well. 
that's a pretty long list of top 10 picks forwards as well that have completely flamed out with them, right? So, I mean, maybe it's a, it's a team thing there. And, and hey, we saw Neil Pyong struggle with the Rangers, and he's, he immediately comes to Winnipeg and is a completely different player and, and makes an impact. I, I think, I think Lafreniere is kind of more along the lines of, you know, the Joe Thorntons, maybe even John Tavares to an extent too. Those guys took a couple of years. And, and if Thornton had like three points his, his rookie season, right? It, it just took him a while. And then once he figured it out, then everything kind of came in bunches after that. I think Lafreniere, I, I, I just, I can't see him being a bust. He's, He's got way too much talent. I, I love his his compete too. I, I think he's going to be just fine. It might just be a case of you might have to wait a year or two until you get that no doubt top line guy. Hey, Brandon Ruwicki's with us. Make sure you check out and subscribe to the Skates and Plates podcast. I know you got a meeting, so I'll let you run. But just on the way out, stepping away from what we've been talking about, what do you think of the Russell Wilson deal to uh, to the Broncos and uh, Commander Carson on his way to Washington? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, as an Eagles fan, really looking forward to two year, two games a year against Carson Wentz. But you know what? The Colts, the Colts are a perfect example of why they're a, I'll say, a good organization, and the Flyers are a trash organization because they understand the concept of a sunk cost, right? They give up a first plus for Wentz. He stinks. It doesn't work out. Instead of doubling down and trying again, just, oh, we gave up a first-round pick. we got to find a way to make this work. No, you ship them out, you take what you can, and you move forward. That, that's the way you get rid of a terrible asset. But um, I, I like the move the Colts made. And, I mean, how can you not like what the Broncos did? I, I, don't, I, don't, know if, I don't know if Russ is going to be the guy. He's been, he had a bit of a down year this past year, but he also broke his finger, right? So, uh, I, But I, I just think for a team like the Broncos – were legitimately a quarterback away from contending it, it's a move they had to make and they didn't really give up a, a massive massive haul so i i like it a lot more from denver's perspective than seattle's but man have fun <laughs> that afc west is just stupid like I, I i'd say i feel bad for you but i don't because you get patty mahomes and you'll be just fine but like for Derek Carr to be the worst quarterback in a division, like whatever, it's just it's going to be an absolute bloodbath this year. I joked with like some Broncos fans that were giving me brain damage because they said, "Congratulations, you're now good enough to go to nine and seven. <laughs> and then said, "Listen, okay, that was unfair of me. I forgot yeah. about the seventeenth game, nine and eight. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they, uh, you know, you make that deal, and they go from the fourth best quarterback in the division to the third best quarterback <laughs> in the division. And maybe that's given Justin Herbert too much credit. Anyways, no, it's you not. Are, it's not. That's why it's, it's just it's a crazy division. <laughs> you are right. Hey, quickly, uh, when's the next skates and plates coming out? And uh, just let people know where to find you and the other content you got cranking out. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning will be the next one. So we'll break down the. Uh, the devil's game um, and a little more trade deadline talk as well. So wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all that um, skates and plates at skates, plates pod. Um, yeah. You can find me at uh, any of those places. Love it. Beat. Thanks for doing this. We'll catch up real soon. Beauty. Have a good one, man. There it is. Brandon Rewicki. What a day to have Brandon on wrist line and signs for year or five year extension. Uh, it was just luck. We didn't plan it that way, but uh, we got him on. And uh, oh man, I always love talking hockey with Brandon. Make sure to check out Skates and Plates. Great way to start your day after Winnipeg Jet games. All right, we're going to talk to Ted Wyman coming up in just a couple minutes. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery who continue powering us through this endless Winnipeg winter. 
you're needing a car, a battery for your car, a locally owned business uh, has the best prices in town. Most makes and models about 100 bucks with Core Exchange, or they'll deliver it to you citywide for 115 bucks. As long as you get it ordered by 1.30 p.m., they'll get it same day out to you anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. Um, and, of course, ice fishing went hit on the water this weekend. We got the flasher batteries to keep you catching fish all winter long. And um, then we'll get to summer and some of the fun things that Donnie guy and the guys have when it comes to boats, ATVs, and so much more. Manitoba batteries at 1026 Logan, 7838787, and online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, of course, tonight is the Jets and New Jersey Devils. Whether you're a Jets fan, Devils fan, or uh, any team in the league, Royal Sports has you covered with the greatest selection of licensed merchandise in town. Thousands of items of Winnipeg Jets merch, including many exclusives, exclusive Bomber Championship gear there as well, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, World Soccer, and more, not to mention the massive hockey department, snowboarding as well, fitness, and so much more. Um, not to mention all the cool stuff on the King's Skate, Snow and Surf side. Pop by and see him at Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway is the location of the Superstore. And follow him online on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and big deals. And our friends at Not Auto Corp are uh, ready for the summer. And if you are thinking about a new vehicle for 2022, before you do anything, pop on down to Not Auto Corp and talk to the experts at Not about your dream vehicle why not get into the car you've always wanted at an amazing price with the help of the not team and if uh, they don't have what you're looking for on the lot let them know they'll source it get it here for you at the best possible price over at not following as well and check them out online at not.ca all right we're getting down to the nitty-gritty at the tim horton's briar and i've been very interesting week for both manitoba teams and still lots to be determined heading into tonight's final draw of the round robin no one better to chop it up on a number of topics but we'll start off with the curling with our good friend and ted wyman of the winnipeg sun ted what's up welcome back to the show and uh, are you now back on canada time how, how long did it take you how long did it take you to get from uh, beijing clock to winnipeg well, it was probably a good eight days, I would say. It did take quite a long time. I was surprised by it, but I was checking in with some of my colleagues who also were on the trip, and even some of the curlers uh, from Brad Gushu's team asking them how long it was for them. And everybody said it was one of the worst ones they'd ever gone through just because of, uh, you know, it was just so draining. It was just so hard to get back on time, and the, the amount of time that it takes to fly from China so, yeah, it really was. I'm impressed with the Gushu's team. I mean, I thought they'd be still feeling it a bit, and here they are, 7-0. and Well, you know what? Let's start off with that. We'll get to the Manitoba teams in a minute. I was right there with you. I mean, we were doing a bit of a betting preview on it and looking at some angles, and, I mean, Gushu's been so good, so, of course, he was the favorite. But unlike every other team in the event, um, you know, they had come over from Beijing. They only got there, I believe, on the Thursday with the play beginning on Friday. Um, I've been just amazed at how consistently good they've been throughout this entire event. Um, you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely amazed. But here's some good news. I just about five minutes ago was on the phone talking to Brad Gushu, and uh, he was telling me that what's really worked for them is that they haven't even tried to ramp it up to the normal intensity that they normally have at a briar. I don't know. I guess he means that in terms of mental intensity and 
whatnot, and they've just been relaxed and just trying to enjoy it. He said, we're playing with house money. And uh, it's working really well for them. You know, until this last game here against uh, Jason Gunlickson this morning, they easily could have lost. Gunlickson played fantastic and, uh, and, and gave Gushu all he could handle. But they've just been, the Gushu team's generally just been rolling and not having any of the real issues that plagued them in, uh, in China. You know, they were struggling to get rocks in the right place in China. Here, they just seem to be able to do it at will. And according to Brad, it's got a lot to do with just kind of playing this as a, as a bonus round and see how it works. You know, I mean, in that group B, uh, their pool B, where Gushu is at the top at 7-0, and you've got Jacobs at 5-2, and Mike McCune at 5-2, and and now Gunlickson at 5-3. and And that loss, I mean, it was just a heartbreaker for the gunner rink because, I mean, they, they had opportunities to win at Ted. Um, that's one where you're getting one up on everybody else in the pool because Gushu's just steamrolled through everybody else. Um, and, you know, with the win over Mike McEwen, they had the opportunity to go in there and be a playoff team. And, I mean, the margin for victory is so, so tiny at this level, especially against a team like Gushu. But, um, man, they'll be looking back at a couple of the other games earlier in the event of real missed opportunities, considering they beat Mike and uh, were so close to getting one over on Gushu. Yeah, I just talked to Jay as well, to Gunner, and uh, he said that the loss to Nova Scotia, they lost 7-6 earlier on in the event, uh, and that's the one that he's going to look at as the difference because it looks like if McEwen and Jacobs both win their games tonight that Gunner Gunner's team will be out. And, I mean, I, I, I feel bad for him and his teammates. I think they played fantastic this week. I think they've been right there on the cusp of being one of the best teams in this country for quite a few years, and it's just that tiny little measure that they're off but you know you when it's a game against brad gushu that's what it comes down to gushu is that much better and that's by how much gushu won and honestly that's you know that's a tough situation for gunlicks and they just they just need that opportunity to break through and it looks like unless they he said they need a miracle maybe they do um because it's not that likely that mccune and jacobs are going to lose but if one of them happens to there's still a shot yeah, so Mike McEwen's rink is going up against Quebec this afternoon or this evening, I guess, in their final game. They're 5-2, and two, um, and a big bounce back for the McEwen rink. I mean, they lost to Gunlickson, and, you know, you, you assume that Gushu's going to be there. You assume that Jacobs is going to be there. I mean, those were really the two teams that were battling for it. So to lose that head-to-head matchup earlier really put them behind the eight ball. Uh, but my God, were they good yesterday against Brad Jacobs? I mean, that was a masterpiece, especially by Mike McEwen. Yeah, and uh, for the hat trick, I just talked to Mike on the phone also, and he um, he he mentioned. I, I asked him, "What's it going to take to get over the hump?" I think this is his seventh briar. They've been close. They've been in the playoffs. They've missed the just barely missed the playoffs. They've been in, you know, they've had opportunities to be there, and they've been as good as anybody away from the briar. Over the last 10 years, you know, they've been a great team on the uh, world tour circuit. But I asked him, what's it going to take to get over the hump in these playoffs in particular? And he said, we got to play exactly like we did against Jacobs. If we can keep that consistency going, play our game the way we did to take down Jacobs, who is obviously one of the best teams in the world, then we're going to have a chance to win in the playoffs here. And I mean, hey, who knows? If if Gushu's team isn't able to lift that intensity a little bit because the playoffs are going to take a little bit of a different uh, turn in that area, maybe there's going to be an opportunity. 
Ted, uh, you know, fill us in. This is a new format. And I think a lot of people, even if they followed curling for a long time, aren't exactly sure. We saw in the Olympics that there weren't, weren't tiebreakers. Um, how do things, how do things work at the end of the round Robin in event that teams are, uh, have the same record? Well, there will be a, a tire. There is a provision for one tiebreaker game. So if two teams were tied for third place directly, then those two teams would play a tiebreaker game for that third place spot. But if there's three way ties, then, or, or even more than three, it would go to last stone draw and head to head matchups, head to head matchups first, last stone draw second. Um, and there would, there could be teams eliminated in the event of a four way tie, a team can be eliminated on head to head records and last stone draw. And then, you know, another two teams or two teams would still play a tiebreaker and one team would be awarded second place. So I know that sounds convoluted, but there is, it's just the difference between here and the Olympics and the world championships for that matter is that they do still have a provision for at least one tiebreaker game. So that could be the case if, uh, if McEwen were to lose, let's say, and Jacobs were to win on Friday night or Thursday night, then one of them would have to play against uh, Gunlickson in a, in a tiebreaker. And then Brent Pierce actually is, is four and three right now. He plays Gushu tonight. Gushu doesn't have a whole lot to worry about. He's already clinched first, so it's possible that Brent Pierce can still get into that mix as well. Yeah, and I guess uh, they uh, they just beat Nunavut today, and we'll have the opportunity to get to 5-3, which is interesting because they were getting killed at the beginning of the event. Uh, but it kind of depends on who you're playing in an event like this. With uh, you know, you got some really tough opponents if you're in the middle of the pack, and then some games that you should probably breeze too easy. The other pool is really interesting. You got Dunstone. You've got Brandon Botcher and Kevin Cooey that are all six and one. Can they all, or, Ted, they all play different opponents. Botcher's playing Newfoundland this afternoon. Cooey's playing PEI and Dunstone is playing Saskatchewan. If they all win, they're all seven and one. Then what happens? I think Dunstone gets first place. Uh, although it would come down to, it would definitely come down to last stone draw. So I would have to check on that. But it would be last own draw to decide first, second, and third because they're all three tied and they all have um, a one-on-one record. So conceivably, that could happen. Uh, hard to say exactly. You know, that it's very convoluted. But with Dun- in Sunstone's case, he could still get first or he could get a tie conceivably with uh, with Flash. If Flash wins that game, then there would be a tiebreaker. So um, a lot of things can happen in that pool still, and uh, and it's going to come down to these games. But for all three of those teams, it's just win them, and then it'll come down to last stone draw. Hey, is there beef between the two Saskatchewan teams, between the Dunstone rink and Flash? I mean, I saw a few things that kind of piqued my interest on, uh, on the net throughout this event of people commenting on it. I mean, is that out there? What's behind all that? Well, you know, I mean, you can see Maddie, Maddie's team, Maddie in particular, I think is pretty good at getting into the trash talking. He was doing it with Cooey. And um, so basically most of that team that Colton Flash is skipping used to be, their skip used to be Kirk Myers. So Kirk Myers is now the second on the Dunstone team. And, you know, they played each other in the Saskatchewan final. There's a, there's a history there. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But I kind of like that, to be honest. I think that that's something we don't see. It's a very gentlemanly sport. There's no doubt about it. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a sport of, of good sportsmanship on both sides, on the women's side and on the men's side. But, uh, you know, you can tell that people in this country loved the controversy of Brendan Botcher 
cutting Darren Molding and Darren Molding coming back to play for New Brunswick in his hometown. And you saw how the crowd was on the side of Darren Molding against an Alberta team, which was hard to believe. Um, and, and there's this villain aspect now to the Botcher team. So I think I like all that. I, you know, I don't know exactly what the reason is, if there's some tension between those two teams, but I say bring it on. Well, and, and you know, and let's mention Botcher because, I mean, he's been phenomenal. I mean, they're 6-1 and one right up the top of the table, as we mentioned, tied with Dunstone and Cooey. And you're exactly right. I mean, for, like, you think about Botcher and what he's done over the last four years, that the fact that this is an event in Alberta, I mean, they've been to the final four years in a row. They finally win it. It's their first time as Team Canada. And yet they come in somehow as the bad guys. Um, I'm with you as well. It certainly gave you a lot of uh, copy to write about it. And it certainly was one of the biggest stories coming in. The uh, the perceived heel turn of Brendan Botcher, who was uh, still thought to be such a, you know, such a nice guy. Well, I think Brendan Botcher is a nice guy. I mean, uh, I think that that team is, you know, uh, like, I, but, but there was an issue. There was an issue with Darren. Oh, Wilson. yeah. Let's put it this way. Brendan Butcher might be a nice guy, but Darren Molding is an incredibly well-liked guy. Like, he is beloved in the curling world by all the other curlers, by the media, everybody. He's just that everyman, you know? Um, he's an ice maker from Lacombe, Alberta, and he's a, he's a true good old boy curler, you know? Like, I think that, uh, that, that there's a reason why you see that difference between the two because Brendan Botcher is a very straight-laced kind of guy. At least that's what he seems like on the ice. I don't know him well off the ice, but, you know, on the ice, you, he's extremely businesslike. And uh, and he goes about his business and gets the job done. I don't think that they're the most entertaining team in the world to watch, and that might be one reason why, you know, fans don't get so crazy behind them. But, um, you know, they're, they're obviously very good. I think the one thing a lot of people wondered coming into this is, are they going to be a contender again right at the top with Pat Jansons, who's not as well-known a curler as their third, as, as they were with Darren Molding at third? And the answer is absolutely yes. Pat Jansons has been first or second, uh, you know, maybe, maybe third in terms of uh, shooting percentages among all the vice skips here in this event. And the Botcher team is 6-1, and one and they're in the mix for first place. I mean, I don't know what more you can ask for. Well, it's going to be an interesting weekend. As we mentioned, there are still some games today that need to uh, you know, finish up and establish which teams are going on. But let's just focus in on Mike McEwen's team because they've got this uh, game this, this evening. If they win, um, they will clinch a playoff spot. You've covered this team for a long time. How would you categorize the way they're playing right now as opposed to other Briar disappointments? And how dangerous will they be getting into the playoff round if they are able to secure their spot tonight? Yeah, I... you know. So funny because I've thought this before. They're playing really well at a Briar level, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this is the year where they can get this job done. Because you know they they they're the you've heard many times on the broadcast this week the term Magic Mike. Well, that's about a guy who has been one of the best skips in the world for quite some time. They haven't missed a beat. I mean, Colin Hodgson, love you if you're listening, buddy. But like you know. He's, he's been a great lead for a, a long, long time, but Colton Lott has come in and done just a fantastic job as well. Um, you know, for a guy who never played lead before, he's been outstanding for this uh, McEwen team. And believe me, there's a guy from Manitoba who should be one of the top free agents in all of curling as soon as this briar is over. But, um, uh, you know, the way I, I just think that that team from top to bottom has played very well. But the, it's always come down to this moment for them, Huss. 
it's always come down to now you're going to get into the playoffs and they're not going to finish first. So they're not going to have a bye. They literally might, they could conceivably be one and done if they do get into the playoffs on Friday. Um, so they've got to get a win and then you can get into a, another bit of a grind with all this because it's a very goofy format. <laughs> the two teams that play, you know, that finish third, second and third in each pool are going to cross over and play each other. And the winners get to go on to a game against, uh, the first place team. So one of those would be Gushu. And th then there's a second life involved. So you need to win once in say McEwen's situation. If he does get into the playoffs, you need to live win once to earn a second life. And it, you know, it's beyond mind boggling that they're using this format in my opinion, because it's so confusing, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's a great position to be in for Mike McEwen's team. It's just, they have to grab it right now and take it and and make sure that this is the event where they put all the work in and it pays off ted uh, you know in in the in the background of all this because we're just focusing on the games and you know what's happening here at the briar this is the final big event of an olympic year um these teams often are together for four years and then you know reconsider things often change things up i mean specifically for the McEwen rink what's at stake for this and um you know does what what do you make of their future after this? Is this a team you expect to be together for another four years, or is this sort of a last hurrah unless maybe something really special can happen? Oh boy, man, you are asking me a question. I'm not sure I can answer there, Huss. Like, I mean, you could see almost every team in this country making changes. It's like I I think that the minute this briar is over, it's just going to be boom. And I don't know if the briar is ever going to look exactly the same. I mean, and I mean that in more ways than one. I think there could be a format change to the Briar, a significant one coming down the road. I think all of the curlers want to have conversations with Curling Canada and all the stakeholders that are involved in this game and make sure that they have a say in changing this game. I don't think they're happy with the format of the Briar this year. I don't think they're happy with the fact that the top four teams in each pool are all six, six and one, and the bottom teams in each pool here are one and six. You've got a team in, uh, in New from Nunavut. I don't want to pile on them too much, but they've been outscored 74 to 12 in this tournament. It's just, uh, it's problematic. And yet you've got young teams, some of them from Manitoba, skips like Ryan Weeb and uh, Braden Calvert. You've got Tanner Horgan in Ontario, people like that that are sitting at home. They're getting no chance to have an opportunity here. But there's teams from provinces that have zero chance uh, to develop uh, a quality team to come here who are still getting into the briar. So I think that could be blown up. And I think you're going to see entirely different teams next year as well, both on the men's and women's side. This is what happens at the end of Olympic years, but it really sounds like there's going to be a ton of movement uh, as soon as this briar is over, maybe within a couple of weeks even. What sort of format change could be on the table? I mean, what, what is being discussed? Well, I'm going to have to point you to a column that I'm writing, but it's going to go in the Saturday uh, Suns and, and Post Media papers across the country. So just a little teaser on that. It's it's not, uh, it, this isn't what's being discussed. It's what curlers would like to see. And there's a wide range of things, Huss. Um, at very least, um, I think, uh, you know, Brad Gushu is an advocate of bringing the size of the briar down again to only 10 teams or less. Um, and then having a play-in format for the uh, the teams that are lower on the scale, a relegation type system, because it doesn't really make sense. And you know, his argument was: Are you paying? Are you asking people to pay 
to come and watch these games? Are you asking TSN to pay to televise it? Are you asking advertisers to be a part of it so that they can see Mike McEwen beat Nunavut 18 to 1? Or are you doing it so that you can see the best teams in curling play against each other and have amazing games like we saw between Gushu and Gunlickson today? And so what he's suggesting is they go back to a format that is less teams in the briar itself and some sort of play-in format for the the remaining teams uh, and base that on a relegation system from year to year. But there are others who have much more radical proposals, which go range from taking the elite teams completely out of the briar and Scotties and having a completely separate elite uh, event which would determine which teams go to play in the world championship for Canada. And I, and I think that like a lot of people think that those teams would perhaps not even be um, subject to the rules about uh, restrictions for, uh, for residency. Um, and, and therefore they could build their teams based on players from anywhere in the country. I think those residency rules, there's a lot of people that think those have to be re-examined and could be, you know, could be changed more here in the offseason just to free it up so that these teams can build better teams. Um, there are more potential ideas on the table, Hassan. and I can't even, you know, bring them all into my brain right now and, and relay them to you. But what I really think will happen and what everyone wants to see happen is a large discussion. Maybe call it a curling summit, if you will, or just call it discussions. But to at least start moving the ball mm -hmm. forward to some sort of change, which in, in turn, from the briar, from it, it, it will also help to build the grassroots of curling, and it will help to make Canada stronger on the international stage, which, as we've seen in the last couple of years, has been a problem. Ted Wyman with us. Ted, pull the curtain back. How do these, you know, we're talking about this free agency. I mean, it really could be like an NHL or NFL-style free agent frenzy when it comes to the yeah. sport. Um, how do these partnerships how do they get together? I mean, what happens behind the scenes? Is this a bunch of clandestine phone calls or uh, the guys meeting for a pint after they're out at the briar and the patch saying, hey, what are you thinking about doing next year? I mean, uh, how does it all come about? Well, it would be interesting to, you know, to do a study on that to maybe uh, embed yourself with some of these guys to see how it works. But I do know earlier on in the briar, maybe the first day or before it even started, I texted Ben Hebert and asked him for an interview. And he's, he answered right away, as he always does. And he says, well, it depends what the subject is. And I said, well, I just want to talk about the briar and about Team Cooey. He says, well, good, but I'm not talking about where I'm playing next year or anybody <laughs> the team is playing next year. So don't even ask. And I, I guess that's the kind of thing that they have been hearing a lot. And the reason I bring that up is that it's obvious that this has been discussed by a lot of people. You know, Brad Gushu has admitted that there's zero chance Brett Gallant's going to be playing for them next year. He's moving back to Alberta with his future wife, jo uh, Jocelyn Peterman. Um, that could mean Jocelyn Peterman isn't going to be part of the Jennifer Jones team anymore. We don't know, but there's also a chance the residency rules are going to be um, loosened. So we don't really know too much yet about exactly how all those things will work. But, you know, Gushu said he didn't expect that his team would be the same next year. Um, it will probably be one or two players different, and that's for a guy who was in the Olympics. So think about all the teams that weren't in the Olympics and the changes that they might be looking to make. Hey, and you know what? Just one more on the way out, just taking it back to Manitoba. You mentioned Colton Lott, <clears throat> and it's sort of funny. I got a chance to meet Colton out at the Olympic trials, 
and had been talking to him. And, you know, he was actually going to come on and talk a little briar with us during the event. And then, of course, he got picked up and now he's playing very well. Um, he is a young and he's really turned into one of the, you know, top young curs, both on the mix side and the men's side. Um, do you think, is he the sort of guy that might end up joining a team in a role other than the skip right now that he's in? Of course, he was in the Manitoba final this year. Um, or is he just talented enough that maybe he continues to try to build his team and becomes one of the new powers in the Manitoba steam? I think he'll be one of the most coveted thirds in the whole free agent market. And I would not be surprised to see him end up with somebody really big, like a Botcher or a Cooey. I don't know that those teams are breaking up. I do not know that. But if they were, there's a chance that some... I, I think they all have their eye on him. I'm, I'm sure McEwen and Carruthers have their eye on him. I'm sure everyone who is involved in the game has their eye on him. The Manitoba teams could conceivably have an advantage, um, you know, a, a, an upper hand in trying to get a hold of him because, or get him on their team because he does have that Manitoba background. Um, uh, and, but, but I can't see any scenario where 10 teams aren't talking to him to try to get him to be a part of the team. And, and I think he, evolves as he already is uh, one of the better young curlers in the in the country he evolves into one of the very best over the next 10 years ted great stuff well as uh, as we now know you've talked to half the field of the briar in the last hour before jumping on with us uh why don't you plug uh, all the great coverage you've got for the briar in the uh, post media chain well uh, just uh you know just a, a bit of a recap setting up the playoffs and everything for tomorrow um, and uh, later on today, of course, that'll be available as well. Kind of focusing on Brad Gushu and how he talked about playing with house money. You know, I think that's an interesting way that he looked at it, but it'll also have some information on the McEwen team and uh, and on the Gushu or on the gunlisting team. I think I kind of already told you everything that I'm writing there, to be honest. And then for sure, going to look a really deeper dive at the uh, at the Briar. Um, and what the future of it looks like, because I do think it's going to be different, and that should be in the Saturday papers across the country. And then, of course, next week we got Carrie and the girls going out to try yeah. to win a world championship. Yeah, well, they've been learning from Ricky and Julian and Bubbles, apparently. <laughs> I've seen that commercial 75,000 times, so, uh, you know, I, we'll see how uh, the Trailer Park Boys have influenced the uh, Carrie Anderson and Shannon Burchard as they go to take on the world. Ted, uh, Ted thanks so much for doing this, buddy. Uh, let's do it again soon. Always a pleasure, Huss. Have a great day. At Ted underscore Wyman, that's Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Of course, the national go-to guy for the Briar and curling at Post Media. Uh, quick bit of breaking news. Jeff Passan, who was hacked earlier today by some crypto skulls guys, um, I believe has his account back and has tweeted that there is a tentative agreement for Major League Baseball and the MLBPA. We'll get more on that from Remus in a few minutes, and we'll also hear from Jets head coach Dave Lowry. We'll hit the Kubat lines on a very busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Um, hey, of course, we just spoke with Ted about Team Mike McEwen. Mike and the guys are uh, proudly sponsored by Princess Auto, who have been such a great sponsor of curling here in Manitoba and across the country. We cheering on Mike and the guys tonight to get that win and get to the playoffs. Certainly the entire Princess Auto team's behind Team Mike McEwen. And Princess Auto is, of course, the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations in Winnipeg. And, of course, you can shop online 24-7, 365. 
at princessauto.com. We'll do uh, some more great Princess Auto curling updates next week, focusing on Carrie Anderson and her team as the world championships begin out in BC. Uh, cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're looking for a cold one, why not get the best that Winnipeg has to offer? And that, of course, is the Little Brown Jug. 1919, the Little Brown Jug Double, the Brute IPA. Um, four great flavors of Little Brown Jug products in the Winter Variety Pack. Grab it at your local beer store, your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. Grab a 1919 at fine restaurants and bars throughout the city. And pop down and see them at the spot on William Avenue Brewery and Tap House. You can order there. And if you're not leaving or you can't get around there, Little Brown Jug delivers citywide Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. You can order everything you need over at littlebrownjug.ca. And a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. Busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Of course, the Jets will be playing. Pop by your local BP. Many doing a very fun pick-a-player promo for Jet Games. Great specials as well. And if you're staying at home, get on those game day deals by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Dave Lowry still to come. Our Cool Bet Lines uh, but really looking forward to this next guest coming in because uh, big announcement today by uh, the gag. Two things, a slap shot movie anniversary hockey uh, golf tournament, as well as the 50th anniversary of the World Hockey Association. And to talk about it right now, we welcome in former Winnipeg Jet and member of the Jet alumni, Perry Miller to the program. Perry, what's up? Great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know what? Hold on a sec. Remo, I think uh, Perry's muted. Is that on his end or ours? There we go. Perry, now I can hear you. How are you doing, my friend? Great to have you on the program. Things are good. Uh, we had a great day today. Uh, it started off with the, uh, with the announcement of the uh, reunion happening in Whistler, B.C., and a lot of excitement. Well, you know what? Okay, let's start off with the union. The reunion, of course. You as a uh, you know longtime WHA player, uh, you know, with the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Jets alumni. Fifty years for the WHA was such a trailblazing, groundbreaking league. Um, must be excited to just be talking about a 50th anniversary and a reunion with so many of the great players for it, and and guys that WHA was such a big, big part of their playing career. Yeah, it is exciting. It's uh, 50 years has gone by very quickly, but uh, uh, it's it's uh, put a lot of people that came from the NHL to play in the WHA. That would put them at about 75 years old. So, uh, but when you talk to them and you send out the mailouts, there's lots of response to it, and we get a we should have a great turnout for it. Now, uh, what exactly is it going to entail? I mean, you're looking for uh, players. I mean, uh, everyone that was involved with the WHA to sort of get together, and I'm sure there'll be a bunch of events about uh, around it. Yeah, they're they're looking to get commitments from uh, from the first of all from the players. They also have commitments from the owners that that will be there and will do a hot stove league, which would be unbelievable to talk to because these people put a lot of money on the line in order to make this thing work. Some it was successful for, some it wasn't. But there's three or four of them that uh, right now are planning to be there for this uh, for this uh, reunion. Um, there's many things to do there. They're having a golf tournament. Kent Nelson, his wife is, I believe it's Helen Frederick Fredrickson Fredrickson, golfer, professional golfer. Uh, we'll be putting on a golf tournament there. 
They have a, a large dinner. Fans are invited. They're going to have a memorability um, stage set up to, uh, for the whole weekend. It's it's going to be quite the thing. Uh, and of course, memories. Um, you know, here in Winnipeg, um, you know, I'm a little not quite old enough to remember what was going on in the WHA. But I mean, as soon as you we got to the NHL years, you realize how impactful the WHA was in, well, for instance, a market like Winnipeg getting into the National Hockey League, not once, but twice. Pretty clear that that doesn't happen if the WHA wasn't around. What were your memories of being in that league and of being a member of the Winnipeg Jets in the early stages of this uh, rival league to the National Hockey League? Well, if we go way back to 1972, 1972, I was 20 years old. So I just finished playing Manitoba Junior Hockey, um, quit school in order to play hockey, but never thought I'd ever have a career in it. And uh, the WHA started with the signing of Bobby. Once that made it legit, uh, then everybody started jumping. All of a sudden, NHL players had two offers instead of just one offer from their original club. They have another offer from the other league, the new league coming in. Uh, the NHL didn't like it, but it, it gave players an option to go somewhere else. So basically what happened at that time was there was, I'm going to guess 10 of the original teams from the WHA that opened up and started. So there's 300 players there that came from either the NHL or the American hockey league or any league that they could get them in, in order to fill these teams together. So what that did was create an opening in the minor league system for players that were just finishing their, their junior career and had no place to go, like myself. Uh, so it gave me an opportunity then to go down to the East Coast League. I spent two years down there, and East Coast League was like right out of slap shot, uh, riding buses and, and uh, having games like they used to have. Um, rode those for two years, and then after that, I came back to Winnipeg. I'm homegrown Winnipeg, born and raised in Winnipeg. Uh, came back to Winnipeg, and this is year three of the WHA. So now I have my hockey ability has increased. My speed has increased in order to get a trial with Winnipeg, and then I signed with Winnipeg to stay here for three or four years. So how, uh, how, did come, how did the move from the Winnipeg Jets and the WHA to the Detroit Red Wings in the NHL work for you? Was it just a better offer? Could you just take it more, or was there more to it than that? I, no, I was um, finished my contract with Winnipeg. Uh, Detroit at that time had me on their protected list. They didn't. They didn't. I was never drafted, but every year you had to submit a protected list of we, not only your own players that you have under contract, but guys that you were looking to to say that's our property and we want to pro uh, progress with them. And so, uh, Winnipeg scout named Dan Summers works for Detroit. Uh, used to come to the Jet games all the time when I talk. Uh, was the Detroit scout that uh, met with me. We met at the Lombard Hotel and the restaurant down there gave me an offer and uh, it went up to my agent at that time was Don Baisley. Don Baisley um, um, let Det Winnipeg know that Detroit was looking and then it goes back and forth and, and um, I didn't don't think I was ever an outstanding player, but I was a laborer within the league and, and uh, knew my spot, kind of knew my spot, but Baisley would help me with that on where I'd be available on either team and where I would fit in into the pecking order of their defensemen that they had or whatever position that they were looking for. So Detroit, at that time, I was on their protected list. They started the conversation. And uh, it's funny because it wasn't that uh, long before 
they made their um, their offer to me, and Winnipeg made their offer to me, that Detroit signed the Winnipeg Jets coach, which was Bobby Crom at the time. So Bobby Crom got out of the the um, negotiating committee with the Winnipeg Jets, goes over to the negotiating committee with the Detroit Red Wings, knows exactly what the Jets are offering and what their thought is, up to a little bit and guaranteed a one-way contract. And uh, I said, okay, where do I sign? And that's, <laughs> the, that's how it happened when I went to Detroit. <laughs> the rat, well, you played in two pretty great hockey towns during your career. And, of course, that 50th anniversary for the WHA will be a great moment for so many people that recall the league so fondly. It's happening this summer in Whistler. There'll be more information available online. And uh, certainly hit up Peter Young on Twitter at PY the Sports Guy for more information on that. Now, you mentioned playing back in the East Coast League days, sort of like Slapshot. Slapshot, the most legendary hockey, maybe legendary sports movie ever, celebrating, what, 45 years and a big golf tournament that's coming to a number of spots, including Winnipeg this year. What can you tell us about that, Perry? Um, Kerry Goulet, ex-Winnipegger from St. Boniface, uh, has a cause to support uh, the Concussion Syndrome uh, Foundation in order to raise money for that. And every year he puts on a good golf tournament. The COVID put a damper on that for a while. But every year he's brought the Hanson brothers up to uh, to be part of the show that he puts on for that for that fundraising thing. It's going to happen again this year, probably at St. Boniface. I'm not sure the date yet, but those will come out and be posted. And uh, it's the money is to raise for the con- con- concussion uh, foundation uh, that Kerry Goulet supports very well. So the East Coast League um, was a lot like Slapshot. I know most of those guys that were played on either teams because they came from the East Coast League. It was filmed in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which was an East Coast city at the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see them out there. Dave Hansen, one of the Hansen brothers, I played with in Detroit for a while. So it'd be good to see him. I played against the other two guys, uh, Steve and Jeff Carlson, uh, when they were property of Minnesota Fighting Saints. Their older brother, Jack Carlson, was a permanent member of the Minnesota Fighting Saints. And, uh, and later on, I think he went to Hartford. But, uh, but those guys uh, play a real tough game. And uh, they will be probably at the golf tournament again for sure. Yeah, I believe the invite. I believe the uh, the announcement that Peter sent out last week said that the August sixteenth at Saint B was going to be the days. But I mean, uh, we'll be able to get that information out to listeners. More information on that if people want to take part in what will be a great golf tournament for a great cause involving some hockey legends, including the Hanson brothers. Hey, Perry, while we've got you here, and before we go. Um, you know, son, I know you're a proud member of the Jets alumni and are here in Winnipeg and paying close attention to the club. Uh, what do you make of the Jets season so far and where we're at right now with not a lot of runway left and needing to go on a big heater to uh, pop into the playoffs? Boy, it's a surprising year. Eh? We all thought we'd be sitting in a good place. We pick up uh, the two defensemen, Dylan and, uh, and Schmidt, and we thought we were going to run away with it. We, uh, we, we had big faith in our forward lines. Uh, and then all of a sudden, nothing seemed to go well. And uh, we find ourselves in a position now where uh, we have to play extremely well every game in, every game out in order to make the playoffs. Hopefully we can get in because once you get in, anything can happen, especially with a goal, goaltender that we have with Hellebuck. But uh, we're in a tough spot. Uh, the guys aren't giving up and they're going, uh, they're going hard. At it. So hopefully we, get, uh, we can run three or four uh, victories together and then all of a sudden we're going to open some eyes. So. Hopefully that happens. 
Yeah, well, big one tonight. I mean, uh, no time to wait for uh, the heater to get going. Now you got to build off that win against Tampa and uh, start it tonight with Eric Comrie and Ned against the New Jersey Devils. Perry Miller, thanks so much for doing this. All the best with the WHA reunion in the summer as well as the golf tournament. And uh, we'll stay in touch with the guys and hopefully see you out on the links this year. Perfect. Thanks, Oscar. Have a good one. Thanks, thanks for having me. There he is, Perry Miller. Winnipeg Jet alumni, former Detroit Red Wing in the National Hockey League and Winnipeg Jet from the WHA. And again, the World Hockey Association um, anniversary is happening October 6th and 9th in Whistler, BC. And uh, our buddy, I mentioned Peter Young, that's got Taylor involved, our good friend Jeff Kerbison, um, of course, who wrote a number of books on, uh, you know, the hotline and the old Winnipeg Jet days, also part of that as well. And thanks to Curb for uh, getting Perry in here picking a few hockey stories around and letting us know about the event. All right, we do have to get to the cool bet lines, but first we're going to listen to Winnipeg Jets head coach, Dave Lowry. Uh, before we do that, I do want to give a big thank you to our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know them well. Nick's been with us since day one. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Make sure you pop by and try the new DQ Stack Burgers the next time you're hunkering for a great burger. They are phenomenal, major improvements on one of the best burgers in the game to begin with in the uh, in the fast food world. Um, so you can pop by and get those new Stack Burgers right now. Try that Red Velvet Blizzard that is so popular for a limited time only. And of course, if you do need a cake for a uh, event coming up, maybe a little party on the weekend. You can hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. If you prefer, uh, let them know what you're looking for. They'll get a custom made for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And by the way, congratulations to Tyson Ducharme, who won the anniversary marble race and won a prize pack, including the ice cream cake from DQ. And I did tell Nick to put a trophy on it and some marbles and it was a, it's a marbles championship cake that Tyson will be picking up some point today over at DQ St. Anne's. And, uh, you know, I did, <laughs> I can't remember, I think it may have been Phyllis or somebody in the chat earlier today when we were talking to Brandon and he was all flustered about the Ristolainen extension in Philly. Um, sounds like uh, Brandon needed some of those new CC and ginger ales, RTDs, ready to drink beverages. Now they're not yet in stores, but they will be very soon. You'll be able to pick those up at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And next month, there'll be displays in 26 Manitoba Liquor Marts, or when you purchase Canadian Club, you'll get a free can of the CC and ginger to try for yourself. In the meantime, sale prices continue on Canadian Club, original Canadian Club 12-year reserve. You can pop by and pick it up at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart and make sure you join us tomorrow for another award-winning Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race with another Winnipeg Sports Talk and Canadian Club collab hoodie to give out amongst some other prizes for our winners. Um, all right, listen, we will get busy night tonight in the National Hockey League after only two games yesterday. We will get to that in a moment uh, with our cool bet lines and get Remus's thoughts on uh, what's happening tonight as well as an update on this baseball situation. But before we do that, let's get an update from New Jersey uh, not a lot from Coach Dave Lowry today, but did speak for a few minutes. Here were the pregame comments of the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets going into tonight's puck drop. Looks like Eric Comrie is going to start tonight. Is that correct? With Presumably, you are always going to split a back-to-back like this. Um, what was behind the decision to, I guess, give Eric game one and Connor tomorrow? 
Uh, we just said we felt that uh, the schedule dictate this. This would be a good place. Obviously, he spent some time here as well, yeah. and you always like to uh, face your former team. Is the thinking an extra day could be good for Connor, like to build in one more day of rest here? Yeah, you know what? That uh, like I said uh, the other day, um, the goalies are playing, and the non non game days we haven't been we haven't been skating so. They look after themselves. They get the, the necessary rest, and uh, you know they come out. They take a few shots in the morning just to stay sharp and get ready. In terms of um, last game against the Lightning, obviously a big a big win for the team. But you said after the game you liked how the offense was coming from playing smart and responsibly on the de- on the defensive side of things. What does that look like when you guys are strong defensively, and what leads to the offense coming back? Is it breakouts? Is it just kill plays? Well, I think it's a combination. I, I really believe that it is, it's the five guys that are on the ice committed to checking first and understanding that you can play 50 feet or you can play 200 feet. The quicker you get the puck, the quicker you can get back to attack. And we did, we've, we did a real good job against Tampa making it uh, hard to get through the neutral zone. And we were able to have clean exits out. Uh, we managed the puck after the first period very well. And we were able to create and, and spend some time in the offensive zone. Stands out to you about New Jersey, obviously coming off a big win. Young, quick, and uh, you know they, they play they play the game similar to to Tampa. They play the game similar to the Rangers. They're extremely quick. They've got some young, dynamic forwards, and and they're just you watch them and you watch them in through video and that the they play the game and they look like they're having fun and and they play an exciting brand. How important has Kyle Connor been to this team this season? Extremely important. Uh, he, he's been a very dynamic player for us. Uh, he, can, he contributes on both special teams. Uh, he has a huge impact in, in games. Thank you. Just kind of following up with the, the Devils question, Coach. Um, and I know you're dealing with your team, but when you watch the tape of the Devils and you see Jack Hughes, what impresses you about Jack and what he's able to do out there? Skill. Uh, just he, he's a great skater. You look at uh, you look at uh, the, the brothers. You know they're they're very dynamic. They, they look like they actually enjoy the game. They're having fun, and they're highly skilled. All right, there's Jungle Dave talking Jets and the Devils and looking forward to seeing Jack Hughes, number 86 tonight, uh, having a great season so far and, uh, you know, really growing into his own as a number one overall pick in the National Hockey League. Um, It was great stuff with Perry Miller. You know, I regretted not getting to this beforehand because I didn't see it. But our pal Mitch from Winnipeg Sports Talk or that WPG, a heli shock caller for there for those of you on Twitter. Um. He just sent me, sent me a note beforehand to send him. So I'll do this publicly and thanking Perry for it. This is a great story. Perry Miller was one tough SOB and a really nice guy. The Jets were playing on a road trip in the, against the Fighting Saints in St. Paul in that rink with the glass boards. Perry wasn't dressed that night, and we bumped him into him in the concourse, and he recognized us. I had car trouble and mentioned it to him, and without hesitation, he whipped out his credit card and said to get the car fixed and give him back his card when he was in Winnipeg. I'll never forget that act of kindness and wish I could thank him again. And uh, tell you what, that is a heck of a great story. And uh, we'll have a chance to do that with Perry. And speaking of Perry, um, 
a, uh, a a certain Winnipeg Sports Talk favorite popping in the chat today. Taylor, we've missed you. And uh, Remus, we should give a special shout out to uh, one of our old pals from the old station, the one and only Narv, who has uh, appeared in the chat today. Narv, great to have you here. Hope to see you a little more regularly in these YouTube streets here on WST. Yeah, a lot of familiar faces. So uh, great seeing everyone here uh, in chat today. We're counting down to the the Jets game as well. But Hus, we did also have some MLB news. We can let's get to it. We can yeah, talk is about the band, it. Is the ban being lifted? Are we are we actually now able to talk about baseball again with a clear conscience? Yeah, this is the real Jeff Passan tweeting this. And if you weren't on Twitter today, um, Jeff Passan got hacked. By he's the lead ESPN reporter or national you know reporter senior reporter ever want to call it, but he was tweeting out some crypto stuff and about NFTs. So he broke the news. I'll bring it up right now. Here it is. Breaking: Major League Baseball and MLBPA have reached a tentative agreement on a new labor deal. Sources tell ESPN, while it still needs to be ratified by both parties, that is expected to be a formality. And when it is, baseball is back. And he wrote, "And so am I." And then he added, "I also got some sweet NFTs. If anyone wants, so there you go, baseball. I got to start scheduling my fantasy drafts. Um, opening days April seven, and." The your nine inning double headers now, and no more starting uh, extra innings with a runner on second as well. They did that oh, last good. year, and then there is a bunch of um. They get the pitch the pitch clock in there. Is that I happening? I haven't heard about um. I haven't. I'm trying to keep track of all the new rules. I know that there are a number of players being free agents. Freddie Freeman, a big one. Carlos Correa, and I do wonder if the Blue Jays would be in on either of those, but. Uh, yes, let's go with baseball. Enough of this uh, BS here, you know? Finally, you, you know, the deadline comes and all of a sudden they can figure, they actually start talking, figure this out quickly rather than 40 days between December and February where they didn't even have discussions. It's the dumbest. No, I exactly. Um, so yeah, players will report spring training camps as early as tomorrow. Opening day, as Michael Remus just said, is expected to be April 7th. Um, but as soon as this is ratified, transactions unfreeze. Uh, which could come at some point today. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Remus, I know we've been, we've, they've been on the band list. Um, it'll be the exact opposite because there's all this off-season movement and things that have been being held up right now by the lack of a deal that can happen. So we could see a flurry of free agent signings as well as some significant trades that have been on hold until uh, they got a deal done. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to happen there. I'm just trying to keep track about the rules. Running Man reminded me that there is going to be a DH in the National League now, which I think uh, is overdue. So, overdue. Uh, I, I a lot of, you're, yeah, you're a big DH guy. Well, you, you want to see pitchers like go up there and strike out. Like, what are we doing here? Like, put someone in there who can hit. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if they want to make games shorter, you know, adding in the DH into the NL, I'm not sure if that's going to do anything. I like the pitchers hitting. I think that it adds a whole other element of strategy that should be part of the game, that is part of the game that's been gone. That being said, if all we care about is hitting dingers, yes. then, you know, I guess that's the case. But, I mean, the game, there's so few balls in play right now. I mean, if you think about what baseball's become in the last few mm -hmm. years, it's bombs and it's strikeouts. And 
I don't know. I'm a guy that likes all many of the other things that have made great baseball games, the defensive aptitude, fielding, stealing bases, not just, uh, you know, a lineup of Joey Gallows who are either hitting it out of the park or walking back with your bat after striking out. Yeah. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. Uh, they're, you know, you do see a lot of what the three true outcomes. So, uh, I'm trying to keep track of all this news and yeah, we'll keep, if there's any blue Jay stuff, I see Schickster wants to know about the Jays. Uh, we will be on top. I would think the Jays, you know, disappointing year last year, didn't get into the playoffs. Um, this year, you know, they made some changes to the pitching staff. I'm fired up for the Jays. That was mm -hmm. one of the things I was so pissed off about this, you know, being like having to ban major league baseball from being talked about right now, having to worry about getting a deal done because we know how close the Jays were last year. We know the talent that they have on this team. Uh, and we'll have to maybe hook up with Keegan Matheson or one of the guys in the Jays beat next week to kind of find out, okay, where is this team now that it's all systems go? And of course, spring training happening very, very soon. So baseball fans, great news. It looks like we're going to get the game back in early April without any major losses to the Major League Baseball season. But we'll do some segments and Hacksaw come on tomorrow. I know Hacksaw will have a ton yeah. on this as far as the way baseball is going to look and what will be different for the 2022 season. But regardless, I mean, we can nitpick on some of the rules. Uh, it, it's just better than uh, sitting out half the season and having these idiots go after each other, complaining and scr scratching and clawing for millions and millions of dollars while baseball fans are sitting there waiting to watch the game that they love. Yes, again, this whole thing was so ridiculous. So I'm, I'm just refreshing Twitter over and over again to see uh, what we're missing about news, but uh, it's all trickling in. So. Uh, owners call the ratify scheduled for 6 p.m. I think that I'm assuming Eastern free agency beginning after. So tonight we're going to see like a ton of signings. So watch out. Oh, well, we'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow on the program. Of course, uh, back to back game days for the Winnipeg Jets, New Jersey tonight, Islanders tomorrow. If you're popping on a little bit later on, we discussed this off the top, but Dave Lowry going with Eric Comrie tonight. Um, I love this decision. We knew Conry was going to play one of these two games. I think it was more important for Hellebuck to get the rest today and maybe be a little bit fresher for the game against the Islanders. And that's not something we've seen in the past. Usually, certainly under Paul Maurice, I can't really remember a situation where the backup goalie went in the first of the two-game series. Uh, but Dave Lowry's gone that way. I do think it's the right call. Hopefully, Conry can play well. Uh, is this a revenge game for Eric Conry against the New York Jersey Devils, Remo? Yeah, is there a revenge game narrative? Um, I wonder, will, the, will there be a tribute video for Eric Comrie sitting um, in two weeks in quarantine? Yeah, so he played one game for the Devils. Quarantine highlights of, uh, of his acquisition. Of course, that was where he yeah. was just basically going from two-week quarantine to two-week quarantine as he did the uh, waiver tour of the National Hockey League before getting back to Winnipeg. Yeah, what a year it was last year. What he was on, played to me in Tucson, he was in Detroit, he's with the Moose, he's with the Devils, back with, or it's the last couple of years here, bouncing around. So, yeah, he played one game with the Devils, gave up three goals, did get a win. I did see someone mention he's, you know, one of the uh, maybe the only undefeated goalie in Devils history. So, like, I don't <laughs> think, like, is, is there going to be a tribute? Maybe they'll just show like the picture, a welcome back, like, as a joke. I have, I have no idea, but I have seen, um, you know, Vegas is playing Buffalo tonight in Buffalo. There is going to be a Jack Eichel tribute. Well, you in know Buffalo. what? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how that's received by the fans at the game. Um, that's one of a busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Bruins minus 270 favorites against the Blackhawks. And then, yes, 
the Vegas Golden Knights coming off that loss in Philadelphia, a costly one for Vegas, are a minus 192 favorite against Buffalo. Uh, but I'm interested in these player props. Let's see. Eichel to score a goal plus 136. To score two, Remus, is plus 650. And a hat trick is 26 to 1. And uh, you got to think that Jack Eichel is going to be getting on the scoreboard tonight. I, I think that's uh, it'll be irresistible to jump on some Eichel player props for tonight. Yeah, I agree. I know. I don't think he's had like a ton of success so far in Vegas. Like, I don't think he's, he hasn't done as well as Alex Tuck has done for, for Buffalo, but I think it's, I agree. I mean, if you want to just for entertainment purposes, yeah, I would bet on Eichel to score. Like why, Over why not? three and a half shots as well. He will be shooting the puck tonight. I have no doubt about that. So we'll jump on the over three yeah. and a half shots. We'll pick him to score a goal at plus 136. Uh, but I don't think we're going to bother betting the Vegas Golden Knights at that minus 192 number. Uh, great game tonight between Colorado and the Carolina Hurricanes. Very rarely are the Canes a home underdog, but they are tonight. Plus 101 for the Canes, minus 118 for the Avalanche. Um, the Wild coming off that win against the New York Rangers and the backup goalie Georgiev are in Detroit to take on the Red Wings. You'd have to think the Red Wings will be better, whipped into shape after giving up a nine spot to the Arizona Coyotes in their last time out. Detroit plus 142 at home, Wild minus 167. Uh, Panthers, huge home favorite against Philly at minus 370. And then we've got the Winnipeg Jets and the New Jersey Devils. And the Devils are a favorite at home, minus 125. Jets at plus 107. I think that number went up a little bit when the announcement that Connor Hellebuck would not be starting tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. And as far as the uh, props go for this game tonight, Kyle Connor, basically even money to score a goal. Jack Hughes, plus 163. Shifley, 170. PLD, plus 174. And Nikolai Ehlers yes. at plus 205. I think I might be touching on 20, 27 tonight for a goal at better than 2-1. to one. He's been good and seemingly undervalued. Now, he doesn't get the ice time as some of the big dogs. He only played 12 minutes last game, but we all know his skill and, and talent takes one rush, one shot. So, I mean, minus 133 to score a point, but... Goals plus, I think that's a pretty good val. Although Pablo Paul Stasny, what seventeen goals on the year, um, plus two thirty. So he scores in bunches. He scores in bunches. If you pick him to get one, you might want to pick him to get two. Uh, that is all there. Yeah, the uh, oh, you got last goal scorer, first goal scorer, and uh, and much much more. Is there a Stasny number? Yeah, Stasny's plus thirteen fifty to get another two. So uh, if you like that, it's all at cool bet for uh, the Jets. And Devils tonight, uh, plenty of props available for you. Tons of other games, though. Let's get to them. Ottawa is a favorite at home. Doesn't happen too often. Minus 135. They're hosting the Kraken. The Maple Leafs are a massive favorite. Minus 357 against the Coyotes. Islanders, who will uh, be playing back-to-back -back nights, of course, hosting the Jets tomorrow. A minus 189 favorite against Patrick Liney and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Predators, minus 182 home favorites against the Ducks. Blues minus 125 against the New York Rangers. You'd have to assume Shesterkin will be back in net for the blue shirts. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Calgary Flames going at it tonight, Remo. This will be a good one. Man. A straight up pick them. Minus 109 on each side. What games we have tonight? Tampa, Calgary. Like that could be a Stanley Cup final. Carolina, Colorado could be a cup final. Um, some Winnipeg, awesome. New Jersey. Yeah. What about uh, Toronto? Arizona, will <laughs> Toronto fans and media be introduced to Carol Vimelka again? I do remember the last time 
they played, and I had a great laugh uh, seeing people realize uh, you know, what he can do. This Vimelka had some crazy games this year, so a lot of games, a lot of games tonight uh, on the on the schedule, a couple interesting ones. So yeah, might have to go and look at some uh, some save props for Vimelka tonight against the uh, <laughs> against the Leafs. Uh, final game out on the West Coast, the LA Kings, a minus one eighty five favorite against the San Jose Sharks. So uh, heck of a night to throw in a couple DraftKings lineups, and uh, no shortage of opportunities to throw a little sprinkle down over at CoolBet if you haven't already. And you want to try CoolBet? Use the promo code WST on your first deposit. You'll get a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on uh, first deposit over at CoolBet.com. Quickly, let's touch on the Briar. Had a great conversation with with Ted earlier on it. Huge night for Manitoba. They're going up against Quebec. They're a minus 556 favorite. They need to win to get into the playoffs. So we'll uh, be pulling for Mike and the guys and the Princess Auto team representing Manitoba to break it through. Uh, Brad Jacobs, huge favorite, minus 2,000 against Nova Scotia. Three and a half is the uh, point spread on the rock line. Nunavut in the uh, Northwest Territories, Nunavut has just been overmatched at every stretch of the way. And even Northwest Territories, minus six and a half favorites, and they haven't been doing much winning. And Brad Gushu looks to uh, run the table and go 8-0 and Minus 333, he's a three and a half rock favorite against BC. And the draw 18 specials, blank ends over under five and total points of 51 and a half. Been hitting a few overs, so we've seen that number uh, exceed 50 points. But um, as far as I'm concerned, Remo, tonight we'll be paying attention to the Briar. Huge game for the Winnipeg Jets and an amazing slate of National Hockey League games that you can sprinkle on over at CoolBet. Big night tonight. Yeah, these are the best nights. You know, last night, two games, kind of lame. Edmonton, I know they do it for national TV, Edmonton, Washington, and the uh, Montreal-Vancouver, but I love flipping around uh, on the package. You know, got the Jets game, intermission, flip over to another one. So there there you go. Um, lots to get to. And yeah, two, two, I think, ace matchups in Colorado, Carolina, Tampa, Calgary. Schickster asking, Huss, do these betting sites even get action when the odds are minus 33, 33? I don't think very much. I mean, it's one of those insane bets where it doesn't really help you at all, especially if you're putting it in on a parlay. I think what it does is just point out how big the gap is between the teams. And, uh, you know, people, at least I have been, you know, often betting on the, the rock line for a team to win by three or four as opposed to winning a game. You absolutely know they're going to win. It's almost not worth betting. Um, so yeah, big, big game tonight and a big mm. show tomorrow. Um, we're going to be packed. Kenny Weeb will join us from Long Island. Uh, always fun to catch up with Weeb's world as he's been on the road for a little while. He'll uh, be able to talk about tonight's game and set up tomorrow's game. Dennis Bernstein as well on the program with more trade talk from around the National Hockey League Reem and uh, a great time to get Hacksaw back in because, as we mentioned, baseball off the band list on Winnipeg Sports Talk. The season will be going, and there's going to be a ton of fallout from the announcement that we just discussed that we'll get to with Hacksaw on our Friday show. Yeah, a ton of free agent signings going to happen uh, tonight, maybe some trades, so lots to get to with Hacksaw. Um, Chris Johnston, uh, was he the TSN insider now, NHL insider for TSN? He did tweet out today. Uh, some concerning news for Trade Center host James Duffy, courtesy of an NHL executive referencing the amount of activity ahead of the trade deadline. Quiet. Extremely quiet. Scary how quiet is. No one 
wants to commit. So, I mean, we're like 11 days away. As you just saw with baseball, I think maybe teams are figuring out. And the deadline comes, there's going to be there's going to be moves made. I think in the past, you know, I think teams should probably make the trade earlier if you know you're a buyer, but maybe you're kind of waiting for prices to go down. So we will see. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, scary for James Duffy. Maybe it's scary a bit for us. And we're going to do an extended show that day. We'll probably start at least an hour early in and around 12 noon heading into the deadline. Uh, we'll get some of our regulars on for their thoughts on everything that's happening in and around the league because you know, as much as we'll be focusing in on what, if anything, happens with the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Sheveldale pulling the trigger on Winnipeg Jet moves, um, there is an expectation that many of the contenders will do what they can do to put them in a better spot. And that's always a fun day to uh, focus in. I know our trade deadline show last year was huge. I expect it to be the same as well. Oh, nicely done. Well, a perfect timing to finish up the program because uh, for those of you that are with us live on YouTube, I mentioned Ken joining us tomorrow. Ken is joining Sean right now. The guys have finally got back to their uh, long-form Thursday show following Winnipeg yeah, Sports Talk. So the guys are going to be getting after it right now. So if you're with us live on YouTube, why don't you pop over, say hi to Kenny and Rennie, tell them the boys at WST sent you. But make sure you join us tomorrow. Full recap of tonight's Devils game. We'll preview Jets and Islanders with the latest on the club. More from around the National Hockey League with Dennis Bernstein and Kenny Weeb boots on the ground in Long Island before the Jets play their first time in Belmont at the new Islanders Stadium. Uh, thanks to Ted Wyman, Perry Miller, and our guy Brandon Rewicki. And thanks to all of our sponsors, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Cullion Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Vet Canada, and everyone joining us today on YouTube and on the podcast. Folks, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow with the Big Friday show. And make sure you're there for the marble race right around this time tomorrow here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.